Greetings, future lovers, and welcome to Killstreak. This promises to be the deepest, bluest episode of Killstreak ever. I am one of your hosts, Eric Goslin, and very special guest today, special guest always, not even a guest, he's a co-host. <laughs> it's it's not, a, not cool for me to call him a guest. Michael Price, how are you, sir? I'm... Uh, just in awe of the smoothest <laughs> intro we've ever had to an episode. <laughs> a master at work. Uh, <laughs> I got the smoothest pipes in the game. Usually at the top you say what episode number it is. So I had gotten ready. I was going to do, it's episode 24. So I was going to go beep, beep, beep. Like, you know, the show 24 oh. with Kiefer oh. Sutherland. A little uh, peek behind the curtain. I had forgotten yeah. what episode it was, and then so I just <laughs> kind of tried to blow past it. <laughs> and the dynamic that we have is anytime Eric tries to smooth something over, <laughs> I jump on and point out the mistake that has been made. So Yeah, that's um, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so we're I mean, you know, we're in keeping with the tone of things. Uh, you know, this is just another classic kill streak. Another but, uh, classic kill streak. Um, hey, we got some some housekeeping to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, we want to say we're gonna at the end of the episode, uh, or towards the end of the episode, reveal the um, results of our uh, t- our poll for yeah. horror tag teams. So we're tag excited team about battles. that. Yeah. yeah, who won? Hard to hard to guess. Not. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, I think all of my choices are going to win. And we'll find out when we drop that in two weeks from now or whatever. What? No. Don't, don't let anybody... The, the, the mechanics of us trying to use live Twitter and voicemail interactions in our pre-taped episode, it's basically, if you guys have ever seen the movie Primer, it's just that. Yeah, it's... it really is. <laughs> Mike and I had like a ten minute long conversation before being like, Okay, wait. We recorded that one last Monday, but it comes out this Thursday. <laughs> we need like a fucking serial killer like uh, spider board chart <laughs> to oh my track, God. keep track of everything. Yeah. I'm trying to think I had some other housekeeping stuff. Uh friend of the pod and listener Dan uh was texting me about all sorts of interesting information. From the um, when when we did the very first scored to death, he's a, I, I've mentioned before he's quite a bit behind in his listening. Uh-huh. Um, but our first scored to death with uh, voice of Killstreak Ryan Martin, uh, he played the little bit of the Starman score for us. Uh, if you recall, sure, g- gave me chills. Yeah, and uh, and had mentioned that. Famously, a soundtrack that was not done by Carpenter. It's done by a guy named Jack Nietzsche. Uh, I don't know how exactly how to pronounce it. It's like Nietzsche, but a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, but he was pointing out that not only is that guy the guy who did Starman, but he's also like a big time like rock and roll dude, I guess. I didn't know any of this oh, shit. Oh, he's a rocker? He did the choral arrangements for You Can't Always Get What You Want. He oh, was wow. like a producer and a session musician for Neil Young and the, and the Rolling Stones and did lots of composing stuff. Um, but like, 
as Dan put it, he's responsible for the sound of those late 60s Stones records and early 70s Neil Young. And he did The Exorcist, so. Oh, holy shit. Some interesting trivia, yeah. And speaking of trivia. Hey, look at uh, that, seamless. Yeah, do you want to take it? (laughs) No, no, you go for it. We have, um, so a couple episodes ago, we uh, did our space horror-themed quiz with the aforementioned Ryan Martin, the voice of Killstreak. Uh, and we had the grandmaster question up on the line, out on yeah. the line, and um, we have a we have an answer here, I think. Yeah, let's see if we have a new grandmaster or not a new grandmaster. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, uh, reigning grandmaster Josh over here, just calling in because I felt myself summoned by the most recent episode on Jason X, a movie that. I will defend to the death as a giant pile of fun, but I can definitely uh, see all the flaws in it. Uh, That said, we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about the legendary Kenji Fukasaku and the movie that he released in 2000, the first movie that I, probably first and last movie I ever bootlegged because it was not available in America for an unreasonably long amount of time, and that is Battle Royale, a movie that I wouldn't really think of as horror first and foremost, but it definitely has some of the trappings of it. Uh, He also was technically responsible for Battle Royale 2, except that he died in the process of making it. I believe his son took over and finished the film, and it's absolutely absolutely fucking miserable and i hope nobody has to watch that because it's really bad uh anyway uh hope i keep the grandmaster title uh if anybody wants to fight me for it i'll be behind the school during lunch uh you guys are amazing keep it up josh out all right wow josh thank you um yeah so you are 100 correct i was very disappointed in myself uh when i found out the answer but hey, mm-hmm. what can you do it flashed through my head when I was considering things, and I didn't want to be that like show offy loser who's like, you know what? Actually, that was my second guess, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't my second guess. But it was something that I stopped on and then moved past. But uh, uh, Josh, congratulations! You've retained your grandmaster title. Uh, you continue to make even someone like myself uh, look, you know, well. <laughs> outshine me in the realm of uh pedantic horror film knowledge <laughs> uh and uh, yeah josh is 100 percent right that movie was very hard to get your hands on yeah at first i remember i got it on vcd like in a chinatown shop mm-hmm. um when i lived in boston and, and yeah that was a hot ticket yeah a buddy of mine uh had a, a, a again i think it was a vcd it was definitely a ripped copy uh, that I first saw when I was in college. And I actually have a very distinct memory of visiting a friend from high school here in Austin, Texas. And this would have been, you know, 13 years ago. And we headed over to the Austin staple. I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, iHeartVideo. Yeah. Um, and I rented it there. They had uh, a Japanese copy of it. And uh, it was the movie fucking rules. The movie fucking rules. And I've yeah. never seen part two. Um, mostly because of I've heard just universally negative things about yeah. it. Yeah, so. yeah. The the first thing I ever heard about it was that it's not about a battle royale, and I was like, "Cool, no. I'm not interested." <laughs> and it's like about the main character. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's about the main characters like starting a terrorist organization <laughs> I and like that's right. killing yeah. people, which is the antithesis of what the whole movie's about. The original movie's yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so. 
I think we can safely dismiss it and give it a failing grade without ever having seen it. Yeah, so. that is not a fuck or a Mary. That's a kill. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Nice. I like that. He's keeping in the theme of the podcast. Um, <laughs> all right. So it's summertime. Coming up on the dog days. It's hot here in Austin. I don't it's know. It's hot it? today, too. I, I yeah. apologize if you can hear my fan going, but. It's hot here in the old basement. Yeah, and you know what's better on a hot day like this than going for a dip, Eric? Yeah, man. We're going to take a a deep water dive (laughs) in the middle of the ocean, and we're going to be talking about deep blue sea here. Yeah. Uh, Shall we dive right in to... I know you already said dive. I'm trying to be a little more subtle with my puns. Um do you want to deep? I would like to deep blue see how you felt about this movie. <laughs> All right, let's dip our toes in. Yeah, let's, let's get a little chum. Yeah, the, <laughs> test the waters and do a little blood and guts check. Eric, you start. Deep blue sea. Um, deep blue sea. This movie is a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I I really had a lot of I had a lot of fun watching it. I'd seen it before. Um, you know, around when it first came out. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, everybody remembers the Samuel L. Jackson scene. That's like right. pretty famous scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had a ton of fun watching it. There's some initial things. You know, the CGI is mm-hmm. a bit dated. Doesn't look great. No. Um, but I really, really uh, had a fun time watching it this time. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I... I won't pretend that I was coming into this with like, oh, fresh eyes. Like, I've seen this movie like seven or eight times because. Oh, wow. I think this movie's a lot of fun. And it's like, it's definitely stupid, but it's uh-huh. like the right, it's the right kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, it has just enough self awareness that it's like not trying to be clever, but it never tries to take itself too seriously, which would be, I think, uh, you know, a. It would spell death for a movie like this. Yeah, and it's got a it's got a great cast. They know what mm-hmm. kind of movie they're doing. Yeah. Um. It's I love the way it subverts expectations a few mm-hmm. times. That's probably yeah. like its biggest strength for me is that it, yeah, it's not like a genre deconstruction, but it really does no. me- toy with with like a lot of the conventions in these kind of movies. Absolutely, and I think you know part of that uh, you can attribute to. Um, there, uh, you know, as is the case with so many films like this, uh, the script touched a number of different hands, mm-hmm. um, you know, from its original conception to, uh, its final version. But the original writer, uh, a guy named Duncan Kennedy, uh, is sort of on record as saying that what he really wanted to do more than anything else was to write a shark movie that didn't just live in the shadow of Jaws, which is obviously, that's the challenge for any shark movie. Yeah. Um, And I think he totally succeeded. Like, this movie, for any strengths and weaknesses that it has, I don't think anyone can look at this and be like, oh, it's a Jaws retread. No, it's not. Not not remotely. If anything, it's a Jurassic Park retread. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does have more in common with, like, disaster movies than it does with, like, shark typical shark Mm -hmm. movies yeah um yeah and that's definitely one of the strengths of it is that it's not just like orca or something you know right 
yeah, it's not just a kind of great, you know, the great white whale hunting down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, what was I going to say? I think that it's funny that this movie is is of a genre um, that we talked, we debated like doing some uh, end segments touching on action horror and who knows, we might still do that. But, you know, this, this fits firmly into that category where I think, you know, some people would try to make the argument, oh, this is going to be a horror movie. And it's definitely mm-hmm. not, it's not an out and out horror movie, but I think that it's definitely, I, I would just call it action horror. I think that's pretty yeah, much what it is. I think is. that's safe to say. And I tend to think of that genre as being, for the most part, something of a wasteland. Um, I don't know. How do you feel? Uh, um, I think when it, when action horror movies hit, they hit real well. It's sort of like horror comedy, where it doesn't uh-huh. always doesn't always work. It's not the most yeah. popular genre, but when mm. they work, they're kind of some of my favorite movies. Yeah, I think that's I I think that the hit to miss ratio is not great cuz like like you said, I don't want to spoil anything if we do like a list, but I don't think we're going to do a list of like shitty action horror movies. Yeah, right, right. Um and so I can definitely throw out things like uh you know, the Resident Evil series. Uh-huh. That's, uh the, that's a great one to Right. Underworld, like those movies yes, yes. just like they just don't do anything for me. They do nothing um, for me as well. Yeah. Um Resident Evil, I don't know, the first Resident Evil I had fun watching, but I uh-huh. don't really feel the need to yeah. revisit those movies. Yeah. Um, and th- whereas something like a recent movie that won't make, I think it's too recent to make it onto a Mount Rushmore, like Upgrade. Did you see Up? Uh, did we see that together? I We may have. I definitely saw it, and I definitely liked it a lot. And yeah, it does... It, it it that is one even more so than this one where I'm like kind of put it right on the fence of being a horror movie. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I guess it's you know what it really reminds me of is like a lot of those uh, you get, like the Cronenberg movies that are hard to say. It's like well, so much of Cronenberg falls into a horror column because like the explicit body horror, but. Uh, and that's kind of how I felt about Upgrade, too, where it's like, yeah, there's definitely horrific stuff in it, but it's more of like almost like a thriller and an action. Like, I think of it more right. of as an action thriller, I guess, sci-fi, you know? Um, so, but I think that, like, the violence in mm-hmm. action horror movies are usually pretty satisfying. Yes. Because, <laughs> like, it really, like, gives an opportunity for it's like to go over the top with the the gore. Mm-hmm. Um, in ways that you don't normally see in action movies, definitely, and, and in a, at a faster, more furious pace than you would see in like a straight up horror movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I think that's definitely what you see here. Uh, For to sure. To kind of bring the argument back around very elegantly, sir. I think you did a, <laughs> did a great job. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's really what sets this apart, right? Is that this movie is gruesome. It's gory. Uh, it has like shocks and scares in that respect. Um, and like you said, it's, it's very funny because it is, a, a mix of, of CGI and animatronic and a tiny bit of real sharks. Um, and it's funny. I mean, we're such a broken record, but it's like, I like all the animatronic sharks in this movie. Yeah, me and, too. 
And the CGI looks like shit. It looks so bad. It looks so, so bad. There's yeah. one shot of um, Thomas Jane's character underwater, like mm-hmm. kind of flipping around a shark. And it right. looks like a, like that Tim Heidecker show Decker. Like <laughs> There's like a CG body <laughs> double that they use in that show. And it looks like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I mean... Kenda and I watched this together and, and she mentioned multiple times. She was like, Oh, this just looks like, this looks like a video game. And uh-huh. I was like, I was like, honestly in today's era, it's like these, these effects look worse than a video game now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm playing last of us too. That mm-hmm. game looks fucking incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not even on like a PS4 pro, right? I no, I'm just on a regular PS4. And it looks better than any shark in this movie, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, but the thing is, like, there are movies where that is just, like, one of the many problems that it's heaped with. And in this one, we were having such a good time that we just kind of laughed at it. Yes, yes. You know, and I think that this movie sets the right tone so that uh, it really doesn't uh, kind of weigh it down too much, uh, those weak moments. And to compare it to a movie that we've already beat up on, and I'm sorry to beat mm. up on Josh Stewart's favorite movie, but Jason X. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, looking at Jason X versus Deep Blue Sea, as far as how it looks, mm-hmm. is like a world apart. They just had, you know, yeah. Rennie Harlan, we got the director here. I, I'm not sure what DP he's working with, but it looks so much better. And, oh, like, yeah. even, even the clothing that people wear are, aren't, like, they don't feel that dated. Like Samuel L. Jackson's glasses of like, Oh, that looks like something somebody would wear now. Just <laughs> his like glasses, higher... I was just going to say that his glasses are like the most dated thing in the whole movie. Oh really? You think so? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, I just think like there's just, it's like head and shoulders above how yeah. Jason X looks. Mm-hmm. Probably a um, much bigger budget, but still. Yeah, definitely. And we can talk about that in a second. Um, to uh, what your your point about the DP, uh, just to answer that question. So it's a guy named Stephen Winden, um, whose biggest credits before this one uh, were the uh, Mel Gibson's The Patriot. Oh, uh, I don't know if you remember Firestorm with Howie Long. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, and, and the Postman. Kevin oh, Costner. Wow. Yeah. So we're talking about a big time action director. Now those are funny credits. He also has a lot of really solid credits that come afterwards. So it's still a ton of uh, action work, but he worked on, uh, I think the last four or five fast and furious movies. Oh wow. So, so this guy's so, yeah, doing he's, just fine. Yeah. He's the guy for those. He worked on star Trek beyond and a couple other things. Yeah. He has worked on the last five, no six Holy shit. He did Tokyo Drift through the current two that are both in post-production and then announced. So Wow. Yeah. Uh, so he's making some some cash, I suspect. But anyways, good work, Stephen Winden. Keep it up. Um, <laughs> Hats off to you. <laughs> can I borrow $2 million? <laughs> <laughs> um, budget... Gross. Uh, this one listed budget at sixty million on Box Office Mojo. I read somewhere else more like eighty one. So I'm 
perhaps the 81 is one of those when you take marketing and advertising into account. Sure. Um, so this is, you know, for an action movie in 1999, um, relatively high. Um, it's not uh, like it's not quite like tentpole blockbuster level stuff, but um, you know we're working with more money here than we see in in. I would say certainly this is the highest budget of any movie we've watched for this podcast. Oh so yeah, far. it's and it's definitely like the most competently made mm-hmm. as far as like just you know great cast yeah a reputable director right yeah it's it's the biggest yeah it's the biggest movie we've covered yeah the biggest blockbuster on killstreak so far Mm -hmm. um and i do think it's funny that we're gonna slingshot from this big budget movie to deep blue sea two and three which are both like direct to vod yeah Uh, (laughs) but i'm very curious i'm trying very hard to find out nothing about either of those movies before we go into them. Yeah, same. Um, I, I have heard that one is better than the other, and I won't say okay. which, but okay. that, that's as far as I've, okay. I've seen. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so this one did well at the box office. It wasn't a total smash, but, uh, you know, 80, 80 million, or sorry, 75 million domestic, 90 million international. Okay. Um, so considered a success. Obviously, they made two sequels to it. Uh, neither one of them was a big, you know, major uh, theatrical release, so take from that what you will. Eric mentioned uh, director Rennie Harlan. Are you a Rennie Harlan fan, Eric? I love Cliffhanger. He's a Cliffhanger, right? Yeah, that's... Or is that Jan Debon? No, that's Rennie Harlan. Okay, Um, yeah, yeah. It might have been shot by Jan Debon. I don't know. Um, Yeah, Rennie Harlan is a Finnish director who started out doing a lot of commercial and company work. Uh, And his sort of big American breakthrough as a director was die. Well, Nightmare on Elm Street Mm four was his first mm -hmm. really big American movie. I don't think that one is particularly well loved. No, Um, but it got him a gig doing Die Hard two, which was a big success. And then. Oh, the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. <laughs> I've seen yeah. I've seen that movie too many times. <laughs> what? I've never seen it. Uh, oh, it. My friend had it on VHS, and for some reason, growing up, we watched it all the fucking time. Uh, <laughs> it's not good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it's absolutely terrible. Um, and yeah. I'm not a big dice guy myself. I don't know about no. you, but... No, um, yeah. no, I'm going to go to the mat for dice. <laughs> the I dice like, man. I like what he stands for. I like his <laughs> his thoughts on gender relations. Hickory dickory dock. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Rennie Harlan has had an interesting uh, career as a director. Uh, if nothing else, he keeps making movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Eric mentioned Cliffhanger, and I'm going to say that for my money, that's my favorite. That's that's the top of the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Pun it's intended. definitely not Cutthroat Island. Long Kiss Goodnight I enjoy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I haven't seen his Exorcist movie, and then he's just done a lot of TV and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that one could make the argument that uh, – Perhaps the best thing that Rennie Harlan has ever done is marry Gina Davis. Uh, sure. <laughs> and then get divorced five years later. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Um, 
cast you mentioned fun cast good cast really um, good cast yeah what are what were the highlights of the cast for you uh still in Skarsgård, i'm always happy to see yeah um, of course samuel L. jackson thomas mm-hmm. jane is always a welcome presence yeah. this was his first lead role in a in a big picture uh um, really yeah so before this like he was just kind of a guy who showed up in the background of stuff in a couple smaller roles uh, you know, he's in Boogie Nights. Um, mm, right. He's got like a background part in a couple of movies. The Crow sequel, Face Off, oh. um, Thin Red Line. But this is his first like kind of leading man gig. And uh, and he was definitely well received. I think like this led to him. This is probably I think a lot of people would consider this to be his breakout role. Yeah. Um, which led to the apex of his career to me which is his single episode arc on arrested development playing himself oh yeah <laughs> tom jane just wants his kid kids back <laughs> oh yeah um oh and also michael rapaport too i don't know why i kind of love i fucking love michael rapaport <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah i wish michael rapaport would not have I've... your haircut and facial hair from <laughs> seven years ago <laughs> he does he does just look like a thinner me uh from from like 2010 yes yeah. that's true but uh yeah Rappaport's fun he's good in a lot of stuff uh you know he likes to get himself into hot water sometimes because i think that in his heart he believes he's a black man yeah um, yeah and you know i think his heart's in the right place but he also needs to you know just stop and recognize his privilege did you ever um, see his documentary about Tribe Called Quest? I have not. Is it it's good? It's great. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I'm I a mean, big Michael Rappaport stan, except for yeah. the problematic words he sometimes says. Right. I mean, and honestly, like, I don't know. We're not the people who should be, like, adjudicating this. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he's, like, not the worst dude ever. Uh, you know, his, his uh, transgressions have been... Uh, on the minor side of things. And yeah, I like him in a lot of stuff. Mm. Uh, he's a welcome presence. Uh, some other folks. Uh, so we did mention Samuel Jackson up top. Um, LL Cool J. Really? Yeah, of course. Just a, I, I mean, I'd such a welcome presence, just a likable charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, his character is a little uh, weird in that. Uh, I, I ha- it's like, I don't have a problem with LL Cool J. I have a problem with his character a little bit in the movie. I mean, is let's get this out of the way right now. Is this movie? Is this like a Trojan horse Christian Christian film? That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, it really feels that way. Like they they all pray as like the water's rising at that Uh one that one part. Yeah, I I that thought definitely went through my mind. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I. I, I did some cursory research and I wasn't able to find any smoking guns. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. But I mean, as far as I know, this isn't like a theme that Rennie Harlan tends to come back to. Now, no, maybe, I don't think so. Maybe it's something um, that came from the writers. Hard to say. But yeah, this feels like a little bit of a secret Christian movie. So. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know. You guys watch and tell us what you think. Um, 
Yeah, so lots of money spent on animatronic sharks. Uh, you know about the the shooting location? You know where they shot this? Uh, was it North Carolina? No, it's it is where they say it is. Interestingly enough, it's in Baja, um, oh. which is where they claim to be in the movie. So credit to them for that. Um, but this is a complex built by Fox a couple years earlier for the filming of Titanic. Oh, okay. Um, I guessed North Carolina because I know that's where they filmed, like, Waterworld. Yeah. So, no, this is this is shot in and around the same location. I mean, obviously, they've totally redone the sets, but it's like they used this giant water studio, essentially, that, that Jim Cameron had Fox build for Titanic. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's definitely interesting. And I want to say, as a location, it's it's kind of cool. It's definitely unique for a movie, just any movie, I think. Yeah, again, yeah. You mentioned Waterworld, I think, would be something comparable, where you have like these freestanding structures in, in water. It's an interesting way of uh Yeah, I couldn't tell stuff. if they were meant to be floating or if they were like on pillars that are in the ground or something. I mean, here's what I'll say. I don't think... I don't think we ever got any clear answers to that in the movie. Now, based on the way that things are working during the tropical storm, mm. it would, from a physics perspective, would suggest that it is anchored a la an oil rig. Yeah. Because yeah. Cause it does not move with it does, the, There's no with waves, the waves don't affect it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So... That's not something they ever really get into, which is a little bit surprising because they spend plenty of time talking about the layout and the yes. structure. And yeah, they really do. The various workings of this uh, of this place. But, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, I think, for pre-pro stuff. Um, yeah, o- overall, uh, you know, we're dealing with like a real Hollywood movie here. It's a nice little change of pace for us, I think. It is, yeah, it is. <laughs> cool. Um, all right, well, do you want right. to take a quick break, and then you can start regaling us with your recap of DC? Yeah, of course, let's do it. Okay, we open up on a pontoon boat in the ocean. We got a couple of couples, all attractive young people. Making out, partying, canoodling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see some shots from under the boat in the water. And then uh, it starts to shake. The boat starts to shake. And one of the girls is like, did you feel that? And he's like, guy who's making out with her is like, yeah, I feel something. <laughs> it's his dick. And then the girls start to freak out. It's his dick. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, <laughs> it's he's like, I do. I feel my own dick. <laughs> Can you feel that? Can you feel that? Can you feel my own dick? Um, a bottle of wine splashes into the water and drips and spreads like blood. Then something is pounding on the boat from beneath. A teddy bear and the radio fall into the water, and suddenly a shark bursts through the bottom of the boat. Everybody's tossed into the water. They try to get back on. There's sharks circling them. And then right when one of the sharks is about to bite a woman's butt, <laughs> it's coming straight for her. Thomas Jane appears with the harpoon gun. He's Carter Blake. He spears it. The shark can't reach him. And that's our ins- that's our opening. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think it's kind of a weak inciting incident. It should it should have been these people getting killed. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, I guess the point is that if the sharks had killed people, then they truly would have had to shut down this operation. So Sure, yeah. But I agree with you that in a movie that has this much gore, ultimately, it is a very, like, PG-13 introduction. Uh, yeah, it, it took us a little bit of a slow burn, too, as far as... And, it's, it's probably like 30 minutes until we get to our first death. Yeah. Um, so that it would have been, it would have been welcome to have just like a little bit of carnage, yeah. more carnage here at the top. Yeah. But hey. And also I'm, uh, my, I, my general thoughts, I'll just spoil this right off the top. There is no nudity in this film. Um, right. And while not, I'm not in the, I'm, I'm not in the business of body shaming. These, both of these two women are a bit too, uh, skinny for me uh, sure they look a tad bit unhealthy but like this seems like this would be the time to get this is the time cheap exactly. nudity in right like, woo we're on your boat <laughs> yeah just take our tops off yeah they're Champagne. not they're not name actors like just cast no. whoever wants to uh you know yeah this feels like if if this were a friday the 13th movie these people would have been murdered and uh-huh. also naked <laughs> Yeah, is uh, that are we just broken for all of the I movies now? I think we're just now? broken. I was thinking about that because I was like, oh yeah, no nudity in this movie, uh, and then I was like, well, I'm just like a broken man now because I've watched yeah thirteen of those or twelve of those movies in a row. <laughs> okay, yeah. So then we're in Los Angeles. There's a helicopter landing on the roof, which of a building which may be our old office. I wasn't sure. Okay. The uh, LA Center Studios. <laughs> And we meet Dr. Susan McAllister. I, I didn't recognize her, really. Um, yeah, so this is Saffron Burroughs. She's one of the leads in the movies. She's British. Um, I was chuckling to myself at a dumb in-joke where it's like, she was a name that I heard a lot at this point in time, uh-huh. right? Like in the late 90s, early 2000s, you'd hear her name. And I was like, yeah, who is that? What is she yeah, she's I like, agree. Yeah, she's like a female. You remember Simon Baker, the guy who ended up being the Mentalist? Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like I feel like Hollywood was just trying to force Simon Baker on us for like five or six years. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about Saffron Burroughs. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at her, her, um, her IMDb, and she was in like a couple Mike Figgis movies I've seen. Mm-hmm. Three Mike Figgis movies. Wow, she's a Mike Figgis regular. Um, but yeah, she never, I remember hearing the name more than I hear, I, you know who right. I also get confused with is Sienna Miller. Sure. Well, I think Sienna Miller was much the same way. She was somebody that like somebody decided that we have to put Sienna Miller in stuff. Yes. And it's like, yeah. and it was always like, she was never bad, but it was also like, I don't know. She never left much of an impression on me. And um, I, I really do think she, as far as the cast goes, she's the weakest link in the movie. I agree. Um, also, just because I've already been on the topic, another um, person who seems like they just really could use a sandwich or just like, yeah, yeah. like it's, a hearty meal. To, <laughs> when she takes her clothes off yeah. um, during that one scene, it's like, oh, wow, you are a skinny woman. This is like yeah. prime, tiny, rail, thin women yeah. uh, era in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're in Los Angeles. Um, she's in the office of Chimera Pharmaceuticals, um, and she's it, like standing before Samuel L. Jackson, 
uh, and some other old white guy. Samuel it, Jackson's named Russell Franklin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, it sounded like you were going to say something. I was. The other old white guy is fucking Ronnie Cox. It's the dude from RoboCop and, like, the Deer Hunter and... Um, oh, wow. Or deli- I'm thinking of Deliverance, not the Deer Hunter. But he's, like, a real actor and, like, a real good actor. Do they, and- like, just cut his scenes out or something i think okay so uh full transparency there's definitely a very enjoyable episode of how did this get made about this movie okay Uh, and i listened to it when it came out like five years ago or whatever and i think i remember them saying that he did have lines that got cut from the movie but it's so fucking weird um, you know, he's also the captain in like the Beverly Hills Cop. Movies. Yeah, I did, and I yeah. just watched part two recently. Yeah, he plays Lieutenant Bogomil. Yeah, which is a fucking great day. <laughs> Deliverance. Yeah, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't pick his face out, uh, mm-hmm. but when I saw him, like, yeah, he looks familiar, and I just assumed that he was going to come back. And he just never yeah. did. Well, and it's also so weird because like Samuel Jackson. As far as I understand, is set up. He's the guy who owns this company, right? He's like the CEO yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and he's like standing behind him. Yeah, Ronnie Cox is sitting at the desk, and it's like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, yeah. Like, what is his deal? And we never find out. You know? And I guess it's. I mean, it is a little bit. Maybe it was like a subplot because this movie does subvert expectations so many times that mm-hmm. like maybe like, Oh, you're made to believe that Ronnie Cox is the sure. head of it. It's like, no, it's actually Samuel L. Jackson. Who's not even sitting down at the desk and yeah. is a black man, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So Samuel L. has sunk in over $200 million into this project to cure all Alzheimer's. And he's pulling the plug. Now there is threatening to pull the plug mm-hmm. on this. Um, and she's like, hey, you got to give me a chance. Do you know anybody who's had Alzheimer's? My father had Alzheimer's. And what if you could end all of that suffering with a single pill? Just give me until Monday. Um, so great. Um, <laughs> then they cut to them in a plane over the water. <laughs> I was surprised. She's flying the plane, so she's a pilot. <laughs> uh, we got Samuel Jackson's with her. Um, oh, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Yes. What's up, bud? A trick for Splatoon if I don't want to get popped? Okay. Okay. That is a trick, yeah. That's very cool. Hey, bud, I'm recording my podcast, okay? So, um, remind that, remind mom about that. Okay, we're back. All right. That, <laughs> I may. My you, son came down here and interrupted the podcast <laughs> to give me a trick about the game Splatoon. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I wrote it down. It sounded like something I'd like to try out. So. Okay. Um, yeah. I, uh, I might leave it in the podcast. We'll see how I feel. See how long we go. That's um, a good, yeah, that's a big, big question. <laughs> so she's piloting the plane. Um, Samuel L's with her. Uh, he's, he's like, oh, that was quite an impressive, impressive speech you gave there. And then she sets up some of his backstory that uh, she's like, I read, I read that article on you. 
that thing in the Himalayas, he corrects her, the Alps, uh, <laughs> implying that there's some sort of disaster that happened mm. that he was involved in. And she's like, you saved a lot of those people. Not all of them. That's, that's his response. Oof. Yeah. Um, so they're really setting him up to be like this hero guy. They, they come into sight of this structure floating in the water or not floating in the water. <laughs> um, it's Aquatica. Yeah. Samuel L. says it looks like Alcatraz that floats. Um, we get a little land. There's a little backstory on it, right? That it used to be a submarine refueling station. Yes, yeah. built by the Navy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so they land. We meet Thomas Jane and as Carter. I guess we met him in the opening scene, but uh, he oversees a shark being loaded in to like their center tank where they hold the sharks. Uh, it's got a, a license plate stuck in its mouth, he notices. And um, we also meet Janice Higgins, the blonde marine biologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't recognize her from... I, yeah, she doesn't have much of a, a a background that I know of. I had never seen her in anything before, and I didn't bother to look her up on IMDb. Yeah. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I just wanted to make sure you weren't like, well, she's the lead in... <laughs> Miss Congeniality. She's the uh, plays Sam. opposite Sandra Bullock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, no, you she's idiot. She's. It's not what I do. Yeah, it's a little bit what you. Do. Not with the actors. <laughs> <laughs> Other stuff. Welcome to our island paradise. Um. So, Thomas Jane. He's in the water in the center tank, and this big ass shark is swimming at him. Uh. It, and it goes. It goes at him, and he kind of maneuvers around it and he hangs onto the dorsal fin yeah they set this whole scene up to make like it make it seem like he's about to get eaten by a shark like samuel jackson's watching it and he's freaking out right and like the music cues and the way it's shot is all like oh shit this shark's about to eat him yeah exactly uh but no he gets on the shark's back and he reaches into his mouth and he pulls out the license plate um then Samuel L. Jackson is very impressed. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, to Thomas J. He's like, that was incredible. He's like, well, actually, you know, they don't <laughs> like the taste of us that much. So, you know, they only eat us in a pinch. So, hey. Yeah. I don't know about that. He says, uh, yeah, they, no, they're only interested in fat. If they think you're a fat little seal or what does he say? He's like, or a rich suit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, lot, yeah, throwing a lot of shade at yeah. Samuel L. For like being, everybody uh, on this, yeah, everybody on this structure kind of hates Samuel Jackson because he's financing their entire operation. Yeah, he's he's, <laughs> he's giving them a job, <laughs> and it's, I know that's like oh oh boo hoo. We feel bad for the rich right. people, but you know, like they all seem to like what they're doing. Yeah, and he's pretty nice to all of them. He's um, very nice to all of them. Yeah. Uh, one little other piece of trivia here. That license plate in a little nod uh, is the same license plate from Jaws that they take out of the sh- out of the, the, uh, the tiger shark's stomach. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, okay. So um, Samuel asks, like, oh, was was that one of the sharks that got away? Like talking about the opening scene. Mm-hmm. He's like that little guy. No way. Those are the normals. These are the test sharks. And he points, and we see a huge shape pass underneath the surface of the water. And he says, beneath this glassy surface, a world of gliding monsters. 
<laughs> it's even more oh. dramatic than that sounds. Yeah, a little bit overwritten, but hey. Yeah. And then we got, uh, not to be confused with Dr. Janice, the marine biologist, but we got Janice from The Sopranos. <laughs> uh, I can't remember her real name. Brenda? I, really... I think it's Brenda. Yeah. Duh, yeah. Uh, well, that's her character's name is Brenda. She plays oh, Brenda I, Aida, Aida Turturro. Yes, yeah. yes. But Janice Soprano works. That's what everyone knows her from. Exactly. <laughs> um, she keeps getting her husbands murdered or murdering them. <laughs> that's, her, that's what she's good at. Yeah. Uh, so she's working in like the control tower, and she sees that there's a tropical storm coming, and she warns everyone. And then we, we see a bunch of the, uh, the crew workers leaving for the weekend, getting boated off. Uh, so it's just a skeleton crew that's there over the weekend. Uh, and then we meet Michael Rappaport as Tom Scoggins. <laughs> Scoggins. Scoggins. Walton Scoggins. Um, hey, he they were both I, on Justified together. Was Rappaport on Justified? Yeah, he showed up as one of the Crow brothers, I think, at one point. Like, do uh, I don't he... remember. Yeah. It's a short arc, but huh. he, it, was, it happened. Um, so Thomas Jane's loading up these Trank darts. Um and he's talking about with the uh, the shark that he shot at the beginning, I believe. He's like, so what's the matter? You, you missed with the first shot? He's like, no, it took two hits. Michael Rappaport's taking a bag. He's like, that should have damn near killed it. Um, he's like, the fish somehow, the, the, the shark got out of the pen somehow. And they're looking at the fences. He's like, how high are these fences off the water? He's like, eh, eight feet, give or take a centimeter. So there's, you know, somehow these sharks are maneuvering, mm-hmm. out, getting outside. Yeah. Um, of the facility. Samuel Jackson is lowering down into, uh, the, the sub portion of the, the facility. Uh, Dr. Janice is giving him the rundown of the layout. Welcome to Aquatica. <laughs> because... It's really expository. Like she it is, is. Yeah. She drops so much info in this elevator ride. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just like ba- basically setting up all the places we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I was very, taken aback by the zip disk drive that Dr. McAllister has. Really hey, you brought can, me back. You can fit a hundred megabytes on one of those <laughs> things. Uh, she's going over her research. Stellan Skarsgård is there in the lab. He plays Jim Whitlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she goes over to this, the shark that has like it's the top half of its head taken yeah. off with its brain exposed. Uh, and she like takes some fluid from the shark's brain with a syringe. This shark just looks like a plastic model, right? It does. Yeah, at it's first like, I thought it was. It's and then confusing. It's like, oh, no, it's, it is. Yeah. This is this is one of the worst practical effects in the movie. That I guess this is supposed to be a real dead shark, and it's just like, oh no, it just looks like, like you know, when you show a model of like a shark's body and you like take the head off, and there's a brain I underneath. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for a movie that looks pretty good. As far as all the practical stuff goes, mm-hmm. it's surprisingly shoddy. Yeah. Um, Samuel Jackson talks to Thomas Jane. Uh, he found, he's, he's basically the shark wrangler. Right. And um, he starts giving him shit because he knows his background. He's like, that he's been in prison for a couple of years. He's at, a couple of years out of prison now, and he was a, he was a criminal smuggler. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if you have any notes on this. But this scene has this insane, like, 
Thomas Jane is making all of these. It doesn't even seem to be that like in your face. All of these like water and ocean puns in all of his dialogue. Uh huh. Did you catch any of this stuff? I didn't really. No, no. I guess I was too focused on writing the uh, like. Oh my god. The, oh, the like overall. Um, okay, hold on. I wrote down some of the choice ones here. Um, so, like, basically, Samuel Jackson is, like, asking him questions and stuff. He's like, hey, do you like wreck diving? You know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, right, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And he's, like, getting, he's beating around the point that Thomas Jane was arrested. And so the first line, Thomas Jane, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I bet you're really good at it, huh? And Thomas Jane goes, we're on the water. Whole cat and mouse thing, don't float. <laughs> and then so that's the first one and i was like oh okay don't float right and then later on he's like uh you know they're talking about his like criminal history and he's like uh samuel jackson's like uh you understand my concern right and he goes yeah i i got a workable deal here i don't make waves <laughs> wow yeah that that dialogue was too smart for me i went I over mean, my head it's like it really seems like they're trying to like sneak it into the script, and it's honestly, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after that, we meet Preacher, played by LL Cool J, uh-huh. uh, and I love he has a sassy parrot named Bird. I thought it was Bert through most of the movie, <laughs> then I realized it was Bird. Yeah, yeah. And the bird says, "You got a big fat butt." Yeah, I do think this is like. <laughs> This bit of like parrot that only says like insults yeah. and swear words is yeah. it's dumb. <laughs> Don't make me drown, you feathery ass. <laughs> and uh, we uh, Carter. He's oh, oh, something pounds on like the side of the like one of the sharks pounds on the side mm. of the uh, porthole, and he's like it's feeding time. So then we cut to Carter. He's scuba diving. Uh, we see two CGI sharks rip another CGI shark apart. Mm-hmm. Um, Janet Soprano calls Dr. McAllister up to the control tower. Uh, and she, she's like, Hey, we have, we have a situation up here. So McAllister goes up and as she comes on at, like up top, two flares go up and it's her surprise birthday party. Uh. It was, it's scary. I mean, they set it up. It's a real, it's a twist. It is. I didn't catch how old she was going to be. <laughs> I don't think that's <sighs> crucial. I think it's pretty crucial. I, mean, I want to know how old. I think <laughs> uh, there's some awkward dancing because there's just like six of them. And they're just like <laughs> dancing alone and sort of together. L Cool J is the bartender. Uh Samuel L. Jackson goes up to get a drink, and L.O. Cool J's like, hey, you're the guy that got caught in that avalanche, aren't you? He's like, yep. As if black people don't have enough ways to get killed. Just leave that to the white folks, brother. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, they have a little back and forth. It's a little tension. Yeah, a a lot of L.O. Cool J has a lot of, like, black people never survive in these situations Mm -hmm. jokes. Right. Which you know, I'm at the time in 1999. It's like, oh yeah, that's fresh and funny. Right. But now it's like, okay, yeah, we know, we know that. <laughs> that's a thing that's been done before, in this movie. Um, so there's definitely something going on between McAllister, Susan McAllister, and Thomas Jane's Carter. Um, simmering, simmering. There's there's definitely some 
mm-hmm. some history there. Yeah. Unfortunately, they don't have much chemistry. No. Because she's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's what you might call a poor actor. <laughs> yeah. A little bit wooden. Uh-huh. Um, so Stellan Skarsgård talks to Dr. Janice. Um, basically just just drops a bunch of science talk like about their mission and what they're doing with the sharks just kind of like setting up like they're mm-hmm. they're talking shop talking work yeah. and it's just like it's really tech jargon heavy but we get the sense of like some of the experiments that they're pulling on these sharks yeah. to develop this all and i think we head. also we we get the sense too that there's not a lot of humility with him he yeah he's a little bit of a braggart yeah and he believes himself to be like a super genius who's going to save the world so yeah right I, i'm yeah. sure it'll work out for him yeah, 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 for sure. Well, um, so Carter, he, he's talking to Susan. And he's warning her that the sharks are starting to behave in weird ways and they're eating each other and they attack that boat. And uh, he's worried about it. She's like, do you like your job? And he's like, hey, are you threatening me, Doc? She's like, no, but if we don't pull off that test tomorrow, we're all on the street. So she's almost a villain through most of this movie. To yeah. the point where I almost expected a double turn, like a, mm-hmm. a turn from her to yeah. be a, an out and out villain. So this is interesting because this is uh, like kind of a retroactive decision that was made almost in editing. And there was a quick reshoot as well. Um, so I won't spoil like how, you know, her character arc goes exactly. But I will say that. She was initially written and shot to be more of a hero. Uh, okay. And there was even, uh, I believe there's a deleted scene with like a kiss between her and Thomas Jane towards the end of the movie. Oh. Uh, and after some test screenings, they figured out that she was just, people reasonably because of the the steps of the plot were like, she's kind of more of a villain because of the things that she does. And so they kind of recut some of her scenes to make her yeah. seem less likable and then reshot her last few scenes in the movie. And she's like, she doesn't ooze warmth. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like Mm -hmm. kind of a cold, which is a beautiful woman, but as an actress in this movie, at least I haven't seen her in other things. Mm -hmm. uh, She's just kind of very cold. So it, it makes more sense to have her as the villain. I'm sure some of that stuff is a reshoots as well, but Mm -hmm. Uh, so the tropical depression is heading right towards the Aquatica. We see it on the little radar. Um, the wind starts to pick up. The waves are getting choppy. And then uh, Carter suits up with his trank gun. McAllister brings Samuel Jackson down into the like ex- the lab for the experiment. They're getting going to finally do their big experiment to impress the yeah. big boss. So he doesn't cut off yeah. the funding. Late at night during a tropical storm. <laughs> yeah, right after they'd all been drinking for her surprise birthday party. <laughs> just save it for tomorrow, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carter is in the scu- in this like scuba diving cage tunnel thing. It's basically like the duct work in like an alien, like like crawling through like the ducks and right. like, an alien aliens um and then sharks start slamming into the sides he pulls the trank gun on them and they all swim off and franklin ll cool j is like tell me i didn't just see that they recognize that gun uh you mean samuel they, jackson that's what i said you said ll cool j 
Did I? Oh my god. Oh, I apologize. Sorry. Wow, you should de- you should Jackson. delete that. I think that's just embarrassing. Really, <laughs> it is embarrassing. Um, and so they also they notice like, oh, the sharks are swimming backwards. That's impossible. Sharks can't do that. And then suddenly, one of the sharks eats a, su- a surveillance camera, and all the surveillance goes out. <laughs> and they can't communicate with Carter anymore. And there's sharks coming right for him. And it tears his masks off. Mask off. He darts it, and. Then finally loads it up into a lift and they bring mm. it up so everything could have just yeah. gone wrong there you know i didn't think about this really until you just outlined this all right now but as a bad of an idea as it already was for them to do this experiment now like they move right past the fact that the sharks just systematically took out all of the surveillance cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a heist movie when they like spray paint these right. like all the cameras in a bank. Yeah. It's like what the sharks just did. Only the security guard doesn't see it and go, oh shit. They go, okay, well, we got other stuff we gotta do right now. So. Yeah, we have to make sure this experiment goes off without a hitch. <laughs> and it's nothing but hitches so far. Yeah. Michael Rappaport's like, did somebody order fish? Um <laughs> We got a big music swell as a shark comes out of the water on the like gurney. Mm-hmm. And this is one um, of the big animatronic sharks, and I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's like, what in God's creation? And Stellan Skarsgård's like, not his, ours. <laughs> Just take note of this line for some logical inconsistencies later in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they hook it up to this like brain scan and it has like these needles that sink into its skin and it flops back awake and scares everybody. Um, and the, the doc it kind of falls back asleep and the doctor inserts, uh, McAllister inserts this long needle into its brain and pulls out some fluid with a syringe and she drips it onto a piece of an Alzheimer patient's brain. And then right before their eyes, it starts regenerating new cells mm-hmm. and it works. Everybody's pumped. Yeah. Yeah. And again, they're like doing this experiment on the brain while the shark is just sitting there. And it's like, I don't know, maybe put the shark back in the tank put the shark and back yeah. then do your science. It's all, it's, but it works. Cause it's a big, dumb, stupid action movie and yeah, it's fun. Exactly. You know, uh, suddenly the shark wakes up. And bites Stellan Skarsgård's arm straight off. Mm-hmm. It's uh, all in it's, slow motion. It's so dramatic. Yeah, it looks awesome. It breaks free of its chains. Uh, Thomas Jane pulls out a shotgun, but Susan McAllister won't let him kill it. Be- uh, she doesn't like want him to like kill the shark because they need it. And she presses a button and it lets the shark go. So we got this fucking pissed off shark that just got the taste of blood, mm. human blood. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård's bleeding out, and they call for help. The, el- the helicopter, I was shocked how fast that helicopter showed up. You know, it came from an oil rig nearby. They give you a little bit of dialogue. Oh, so, I missed you know. that. I missed mm-hmm. that. Um, so they get it, they get them to the surface, and the waves are picking up, and they're starting to overwhelm the Aquatica. The chopper comes in, and picks them up, and like, sends, sends down a line. They hook them up to this line. Did you ever see that video? Of the chopper rescue, where the guy's like strapped to a stretcher, and he's hanging by a line, 
and they didn't do it right, and it just spins him around insanely fast. I think I have seen that, yeah. It's insane. It's terrifying. <laughs> That's what uh, I was thinking of during this. Yeah. Also, during all of these scenes, like when he gets his arm chopped up and stuff, I finally noticed that that the doctor, he wears, his, he's wearing scrubs. His pants are just hospital scrubs. Uh-huh. Like, I guess because he's a doctor. It's sure. Really, it's really funny. He needs to scrub up for these sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they hook him up. They start the winch. And he's like getting pulled up. They get back in the elevator. And then the winch gets stuck. And he's dangling him above the water. Yeah. And suddenly it, the winch reverses. And it drops him right in. And it's an, he hits the water, and as he starts to sink under the water, it's like a really great shot. I like yeah. wrote, I wrote down this shot's cool because he like hits the water and then sinks below the surface, and all the water rushes over his face. And yeah, uh, and it's like he, he he does have scuba equipment on his face, yeah. but like he's can't do anything. He's yeah. strapped in, and he's, but he's missing an arm. And Skarsgård's doing some good eye acting because like mm-hmm. he's a lot. It's a lot of him. With his mouthpiece in, just like looking like he is not having a fun time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he does a good. Job. I always like. I enjoy him a lot. Oh yeah, he's great. Uh, then a shark gets him and yanks the cable. Uh, and down below, they turn the camera on just in time to see the chopper slam into the side of the Aquatica. Janice Soprano. It's fucking blown away. Yeah, it's a helicopter made of TNT and gasoline. Yeah, it just explodes. <laughs> it explodes into like a fuel tank. Yeah. Uh, she gets blown away. Body count, I wrote, goes up to three, but that's not true, is it? No, we've Has got... Oh, yeah, so the two helicopter pilots die. Oh, yeah, the two yeah. helicopter pilots, duh. Yeah. Body count's three. Mm-hmm. Uh, an explosion rocks the Aquatica. Shit's falling everywhere. Fuel tanks are exploding. Uh, Samuel Jackson's like, someone please tell me what that is. And they all look up, and the shark has Stellan Skarsgård in its mouth, and it's headed right for the glass. Yeah, and he's still alive and conscious. He's still alive, yeah. Because he's got his little breather thing in, and so he is just, like, looking real freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then it flings him so hard against the glass that it shatters, mm-hmm. which is like, you do, you don't have fucking bulletproof glass or whatever on this thing? Right. It is a great question, although they're super strong sharks. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's very cool. It's very like, um, they build really good tension here because it doesn't just immediately burst open. It does that right. thing where it kind of spider webs out and everybody and like pieces start to fall. Yeah, like water starts to slowly leak in. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> and then it bursts. Um, and uh, it bursts. The water starts rushing in. They get a door open and then close behind them to seal it off. Body counts up to four. Stellan, although not definitive, is dead. We find out later he is dead. Yeah, yeah. But it is, it's funny because, like, uh, what's his little girlfriend is like freaking out and wants to go back in Janice. Just, yeah. Right. Which is sort of understandable because it's like, I don't know. He was, op- he was alive when they threw him at the window. Like, yeah, he yeah. probably is still alive in this moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a sad, sad moment. He lost an arm and then they had to leave him there. Um, so they try to get out, uh, through another stairwell, but there's water coming in. It's all flooded. 
we see like water like kind of seeping like pouring in mm -hmm. from the sides then of course the elevator had would have automatically shut down so there's no way up uh and they end up looking at a map and coming up with some sort of escape plan and then other uh, on the other side of the aquatic a preacher is by himself. He's trying to figure out what the fuck's happening. Yeah, he's, he's just, just been below deck this whole time. And yeah, he's like he's, he's in the he's in the kitchen and everything's like collapsing on him and he's going flying ass over tea kettle and yeah. yeah. Oh, I should have mentioned preacher is like the cook. Yes, yes, he that is his defining characteristic. He loves Jesus mm -hmm. and cooking, and he has a love hate relationship with Bird. With with Bird. Uh, they could have came up with a better name for Bird, but hey, I'm not here to criticize. Yeah. Uh, so he's trying to figure out what's happening. Water suddenly rushes down on him, like pushing him down the hallway. Uh, and then when we're with the others and water starts rushing in at them through cracks and like bolt holes. Um, yeah. And this is cool. Like I like like there's a lot of good just like high pressure water getting through yeah. doors, blowing through portholes and manholes and stuff. Yeah. And I think they put I mean they obviously put really good use to these sets that were built for the Titanic uh for or I should say for Titanic the movie. Um right. But yeah, that's part of and I think that's part of why they wanted to use this shooting location is because it's not just being out in the water and underwater shots, it's all of these uh sets and stairwells and hallways and stuff that they could have water rush into. And I'm a sucker for that shit. I love mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's like it's very scary for me. Like, I, I am afraid of deep water and I'm afraid of drowning mm -hmm. and being caught in like, um, man, I saw this Instagram video recently of somebody. There's just a hole in the ground right next to a waterfall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And somebody do you see this? Somebody crawls inside. Have, yeah. And then they disappear for like I have a been... minute. <laughs> Yeah, and then they reemerge from the water below. It's like, fuck that. No, 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 no. So at least one of these that is going around the internet is a fake. Um, oh, it is? Yeah. So it's like, literally, if you watch it, they show the guy going down into the hole, and then they wait for like a second or two, and then they pan over to where he's going to show yes, up. That's that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he climbs. Apparently, he just climbs out, runs around the side, dives into the lagoon, and swims up and under the water to appear that's below. fucking irresponsible though that, absolutely like, it is yeah that is no i don't like that no one should i mean also just like it's it's the water meets claustrophobia it's like no one should go into holes that big ever no um, that's like some of those dangerous like diving is very dangerous when you're in caves and shit. oh that's like absolutely the most it's terrifying to me. I just can't understand having that urge in your in you to be like, ah, oh, yeah, I want to go diving a hundred feet underground into a cave. It's like, no, no, no. why? <laughs> I can't do that. I'm too broad-shouldered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too broad. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's broad over here. Um, so they look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they get to safety for now. Uh, preacher's looking for his parrot bird. Um, meanwhile, our heroes, they finally stop and take a breath. Um, and then McAllister, Susan McAllister, <laughs> I never know what to call her. <laughs> Dr. Susan McAllister. Or Saffron Burroughs. Saffron Burroughs. She explains to everyone that the experiments have increased the size of the shark's brains. Mm -hmm. uh, so the shark's are getting smarter. 
And this is this is one of the only plot elements, I think, from a character perspective that I have a big issue with, um, because both Samuel L. Jackson and Thomas Jane take turns during the scene being sort of like horrified and angry by this revelation, right? Yes, yeah. that they've genetically modified these sharks, but literally. They call these sharks Gen 2. They talk about yeah, how yeah. they made them. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's like, and one of them's, we don't find this out until the end of the movie, one of them's fucking 45 feet long. It's like, yeah, no shit, these are genetically modified sharks. Yeah. What did anyone think was happening? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, And, and like, <laughs> I think it's Janice is like, She's screwing with the sharks, and now the sharks are screwing with us. Uh, like, I don't think they should be doing experiments like this on any living creatures, be it sharks or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, mosquitoes. Like, we all know what's happening care. here, right? <laughs> like, they'll have to know. Yeah. Especially Thomas Jane, who's a shark expert. Yeah, he's fucking in there swimming with them all the time. He's just like, oh, right. cool, it's just a 45-foot mako. No big deal. <laughs> uh a shark swims up behind Preacher. I love the shark sneaking in this movie. Because, like, <laughs> basically anytime somebody is in a room filled with water that's, like, mm-hmm. up to their waist, a fucking dorsal fin always comes up right behind him. Yeah. Like a slasher mm-hmm. movie. It's so great. I love it. And that is, like, I think puts a big pin in any argument that this isn't a horror movie. Because that is what the sharks do in this movie. They yeah. They fucking they chase people around and try to kill them one by one. It's great. Yeah. Um, so swims up behind Preacher. He sees it and bolts out of there. Um, he like gets up to safety, and the shark swims by, and he like clutches his crucifix. Um, the rest of our heroes they get to the submarine, this like escape submarine, and it's just hanging by a wire. Um, and then, meanwhile, Preacher he finds an axe. His teeth are shat or like chattering, which made me think that he. M- I think he was probably actually really miserable and cold. I always think about that in like mm. wet movies, how like miserable that shit must be. Yeah, I think that's true to a certain extent, but I also think that this is like a like a purposeful thing for the movie because they also later on in the movie they're gonna like talk about needing wetsuits to like stave off hypothermia. Yeah, 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 yeah. And immediately, my kind of, you know, bullshit uh, pedantic sensors went off, and I was like, they're in Baja. Like, this water, no one's getting hypothermia. And so I, like, literally went and Googled, like, water temperature at different depths and stuff. And it's like, Oh, really? Yeah. And what is referred to as the thermocline, which is the top layer of water that is churned up by surf and waves, basically. Um, tends to be about a uniform temperature, and that, generally speaking, on average, is about 55 degrees. And I think Mm. in Baja, especially, they make this out to be, like, a warm time of year. Like, that water would be, like, 60, 65 degrees. Like, it's not going to give anyone hypothermia. Um, And that depth goes all the way down to 660 feet before it starts to get significantly colder. So, Look at you. I call bullshit. Look at you, man. This is I did. We guys, we didn't realize that we were here with a certified genius, the Stellan Skarsgård of our podcast. That's Nothing right. bad's I, gonna happen to him. I'm wearing hospital scrubs. 
<laughs> um, I like that behind LL Cool J, the door like slowly swings open and a fucking shark fin comes in. <laughs> it always cracked me up whenever I saw it. It's great. Uh, Bird, the parrot, scares him. We get a jump scare. He lands on a pot. He's like, be careful. <laughs> or maybe it's LL Cool J says him. I didn't see. I'm going to credit yeah. it to the bird. Yeah. Uh, the preacher reaches for him, the uh, for Bird, and the shark pops up and eats the fucking parrot. Yeah. Body count up to five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I like it. I support it. Yes. Five. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so preacher swims away and he hides in an oven, like closes himself into an oven. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Michael Rappaport says that there's nothing that could have exploded with such force to ruin the sub, uh, which is something I wrote down because it seemed important. Does that ever get explained? I think the implication in the scene is that the shark sabotaged the sub. Yeah. yeah that's a, my, that's a, I'm thinking now too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fucking smart shark. <laughs> well, I mean, just wait. By the time we get like three quarters of the way through this movie, or yeah, like in yeah. the end, it is the revealed end. that the sharks have a certain plot. And I was just like, this is absolutely insane. Yeah, like, those sharks are, they, they are but tools for the sharks. Just like <laughs> Freddy with Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, this is when Samuel L. Jackson says that they should all put on wetsuits to avoid avoid hypothermia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they realize, like, well, unless somebody has a better idea, we're going to have to swim out of here. <laughs> like this, the fuck? With LL Cool J in his oven, the shark turns on the gas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it might be an accident, but it's pretty good. Yeah, they kind of let you as the viewer decide, but it's. <laughs> I, I think they want us to question whether or not the shark did it on purpose. <laughs> so he's stuck in this oven with a shark pounding on the door to get in like the mm-hmm. window to get in yeah and it's filling with gas uh so he's, he uses his axe to chop into the, like the oven compartment above it and finally he's able to like stand up open the doors which are above water mm-hmm. and swim away he like kind of jumps behind the shark and tries to out- yeah a lot of shark out swimming in this movie you have to suspend a little bit of your disbelief for this plan to make sense <laughs> yeah uh, so then gas is filling the um, the kitchen, and he lights a Zippo. He's like, you ate my bird. And he throws a Zippo, igniting the gas and exploding the shark. Yeah, a Zippo that he had in his pocket underwater. Yeah, it'd be completely useless, wouldn't it? Yeah, but hey, whatever. Whatevs. Uh, so then Carter warns Samuel L. Jackson not to get too close to the water. They're like standing around where the, uh, mm-hmm. the submarine is, which is a little bit of foreshadowing. What? Uh, Tom, Tom Scoggins tells them that why swimming away from the sharks. Uh, oh, he's like trying to convince him. He's like, oh, what? We should swim away from sharks? That's not going to work. Right. Uh, everybody starts to argue. They're Lots all fa- panicking, mm-hmm. coming apart at the seams. And then Franklin, Samuel L. Jackson, gives a speech. You think water's fast? Then you should see ice. Stop. Stop. What? 
Water is ice. Ice is yeah. water. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, please, please don't do a Samuel L. Jackson voice. <laughs> no. Well, I agree. You probably shouldn't. But no. I do want to hear you deliver more of this speech. So please, please continue. Yeah. Water is ice. <laughs> then you should see ice. It moves like it has a mind. Like it knows it killed the world once and got a taste for murder. It's <laughs> a fucking great line. It's such a great line. When the avalanche came, it took us a week to climb out. And somewhere we lost hope. Now, I don't know exactly when we turned on each other. I just know that seven of us survived the slide and only five made it out. Now, we've seen how bad things can get and how quick they can get that way. Well, they can get a whole lot worse. So we're not going to fight anymore. We're going to pull together and we're going to get, we're going to find a way to get out of here. First, we just got to seal this off. Then a fucking shark pops out of the water, (laughs) grabs him in his jaws, shakes him around like a dog, and then drags him under the water. (laughs) Just like choral voices and intense strength. Like... Like, the soundtrack just goes crazy. Everyone is mortified. Yeah. It is it's the, fucking great. It's the it's iconic moment scene. in this movie. Uh, and it's fantastic. And uh, I, I remember seeing it in the theater, and everybody lost their goddamn minds. Yeah. Um, apparently, this scene was a little bit of an inspiration taken from Alien in that in the cast of that film, Tom Skerritt was supposed to be like kind of the heroic, like you think he's like the captain of the ship. And if you haven't seen it, you don't know that Sigourney Weaver is going to be the one that survives to the end. And he was one of the bigger right. actors in that cast. And they kind of pull a fake out by having him die halfway through. And this is a similar thing, but this is up there with the great surprise deaths in a movie that I can think of. I mean, this must be why, I mean, I'm sure he did it for a paycheck, but also like this, if I were Samuel Jackson and Mm. I read this like, oh, fuck, yes, I'm doing this. Like, yeah, that must be why he's uh, on board. Well, so he worked with Rennie Harlan on Long Kiss Goodnight. Right. Yeah. yeah, So was down to work with him again, had enjoyed that experience. But initially they sent him the script for the Yellow Cool J role. And he was like, no, I don't want to be a cook. And they mm-hmm. basically cooked up this role for him. And Rennie Harlan was like, we have an awesome death scene for you. And he read it and he was like, yes, I will absolutely do this. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so body counts up to six. We cut to a, sh- uh, the, a shot of the sharks just chomping the fuck yeah. out of him. <laughs> they rip him in half and then like yeah, eat, they rip each him half, in half of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's so uh. good. Uh, Tom Scoggins is freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> he explains uh, that like if more than 3200 tons of water get into this get in here the whole place is going to c- collapse. Yeah. So we have like a ticking time bomb here. Uh they open the hatch. Um the seal blows and water starts rushing in. Um it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. Except it follows the same broken logic that we talked about in Jason X, where it's like, okay, if they break the seal on the room to go out that way, why didn't that happen when they came into the room in the first place? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, so I, this is a cool moment because like Tom 
uh, Scoggins and Carter have to like submerge themselves, like let the water rise above their head in mm-hmm. order to close the door because otherwise right. like, the water is just like pushing mm-hmm. on it. Um, I always like I love that. There's a few different like you know the the iconic scene for this is like in the abyss. Yeah, where like you know they have to drown in order to. Yeah, and I think, and and not just that, but like now that you mention it, there is like a lot of great just like water flooding stuff in the abyss that this is definitely taking some cues from. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so the water rushed in, to, um, fire from the burnt. So like they're in this like cylindrical like elevator shaft, basically. Right. There's like a ladder on the side. Fire from the burning tanks above is starting to rain down on them as they like climb the ladder um the shark's pov moving through the aquatica and like it like comes up through the lab and then pounds on the door they just closed it's definitely chasing them from room to room it's truly crazy um they rush up the ladder so carter decides like he wants to buy this some buy them some time so um he decides like all right we're going up to like level three or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I have to, if I open up level one, that'll buy us a little bit of water time. Right. Right. Like Cause it's got to spill. Yeah. It has to spill out into that level and fill it up before it continues to rise up the shaft that they're in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so the shark busts in, the sharks are just busting down doors. The water rises. Carter goes down to open the level two door is level two. Um, he has to pry them open with his knife. Uh, he gets the doors open, but more water's rushing in. So it kind of just made it worse, I guess. There's definitely, like, I, I like the heightening in this movie of, like, mm-hmm. kind of like in Jason X, actually. <laughs> yeah. How, like, things just keep going more and more wrong for them. Yeah, and their, like, options keep narrowing down, and they keep trying to escape one way, and then that gets foiled, and then on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So on the ladder it breaks and like they're all thrown down but some of them hang on except for dr janice who's thrown into the water uh then she pops back up and she's like reaching for carter he has his arms outstretched for her and she's like get me out of here carter i don't want to die and then she goes under and then she pops back up in the middle of the shark's mouth so she she's uh no more mm-hmm. body count seven um, I have a note here that I was asked to read by my fiance. When this scene happened, she <clears throat> poked me in the shoulder and she said, Hey, that shark is eating her out. <laughs> Good note. Good note. Yeah. Thank cause you, it, Kenda. Cause it kind of bites her crotch. That's kind of where it gets her. Um, so yeah, <laughs> just wanted to, um, let everybody know that that's what it says on my notes here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure your fiance wrote that, not you. <laughs> um so they get up to the door. They're they they can't they actually can't reach the door because mm-hmm. the ladder's collapsed. But something's pounding on it. Then it opens up and it's preacher. Mhm. Um so, thank god it's not a shark. <laughs> no, that would that would have been bad news. <laughs> Uh, so he gets them like they make a makeshift rope out of like some cloths or whatever. They all get up to that level and they devise a plan. So they're going to reroute the bilge pumps 
to clear some of the water out of the flooded portions of yeah, the the, stair- the stairwell they're going to clear out so they can go up to the top level. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a weird scene where they're like looking for a flashlight for for <laughs> oh sorry looking for batteries for a flashlight. Yeah, and they're in Doctor Janice's room, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Well, okay." Tom Scoggins like Jan was a healthy girl. She must have something here that runs on batteries. They're like, "Oh, come on, man!" <laughs> yeah, this would have been a funnier joke if she hadn't just died. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, couldn't it just be some other doctor, some other person's room who's just gone for the weekend? Yeah. Or, like, they do this before she dies, and she's like, uh, actually, I do have batteries. Yeah. And she, like, pulls out her vibrator, and they're like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Like, that kind of would have been funnier. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little insult to injury. (laughs) No shame, though. Hey, you do whatever you need. Uh, Carter and McAllister have a moment in the bathroom. Where she, you know, he like is guilting her for, I mean, essentially causing all this shit. Right. Uh, she defends herself because you know it's the is the cost worth the price? What's the word? yeah yeah? Is the juice worth the squeeze? You is know? the juice worth the squeeze? But there is this whole thing where she's like, yeah, but we'll save millions of lives, and it's like you're all about to die. Nobody, you're not gonna save anybody's fucking. Yeah, exactly. Life. <laughs> it's like you'll only save lives if you successfully get out of here. Yeah. Um, so Preacher and Susan decide that they're going to stay in, uh, in like the, the quarters, like Dr. Janice's living quarters and Tom and Carter are going to go to the wet lab to where the bilge pumps are to reroute them, which is underwater. Exactly. Uh, and then once they leave, Susan's like, oh, I need to get some stuff for my quarters. <laughs> <laughs> she her, her research data. Uh-huh. Um, a shark swimming through the halls as Carter and Tom swim down to the lab. They, they get into the lab. They're like holding their breath. They hold their breath for a really long amount of time. Yeah. Well, at least they have they set it up so that there's like an air pocket at the top of the room. So they go up and catch a breath and go back down. So yeah. 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 There's some plausible. I noticed that like Michael Rappaport is holding his breath mm-hmm. in the water. But Thomas Jane is like breathing. <laughs> like He's not breathing in, but he's like constantly like has air coming out of his mouth, which doesn't seem smart. Yeah. Well, or maybe that's what you need to do. I mean, he is the expert. That's true. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård's body floats by them. It scares yeah. them. And they freak. Carter freaks the Carter fuck out. Freaks. It's, a, it's exactly what I wrote. He, he he gets freaked the fuck out and screams. And it's like, like hey, he surf. He surfaces. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Aah! yeah. And it's like the fourth dead body he's seen in an hour and the yeah. least violent end. Yes, like. <laughs> exactly. I thought yeah. the same thing. It was really strange. Mm-hmm. And then, but then he immediately like stops because Tom's also freaked out. He's like, Hey man, calm down. <laughs> he calms Tom down. <laughs> what a fucking hypocrite. Um, back in the room, preacher finds a camcorder and re- records his final words. In case he doesn't survive. They use a really cool post-production camcorder filter instead. Yeah, of, yeah. Like, it's not shot on different stock or with an actual camcorder. They just put, like, lines over it. It's very funny. Um, 
and he's like, you know, what mark do I leave behind? Well, to begin, the perfect omelet, which is made <laughs> with two eggs, not three. Uh, so I want I wanted to get your point. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I, uh, Mike Price here. <laughs> you were a professional cook uh-huh. for many years. Yeah. Um, and then and then worked at BuzzFeed and a lot of their cooking yeah. videos. Mm-hmm. What did you think about his omelet recipe? Okay. He also so, criticized the using milk for density, which I agree with. I agree with that as well. So I, um, for an omelet, there is sort of like a, there's a king of omelets. There is, most chefs, uh, classically trained or otherwise, will tell you that Jacques Pepin, the French chef, is the master of the omelet, and he would tell you that all you put in it is butter and eggs. Um, milk is definitely a bad move. Butter mm-hmm. is what you want. Two and a two egg omelet is like three bites. That's nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, uh, it is funny how it's like eating two fried eggs feels like enough for a meal, but then when you scramble them up and make them into an omelet, uh, it's just like it's insufficient. Yeah. Um, what else does he say in the recipe, if anything? That's it. That's it. It cuts out after he's like he calls putting milk in yeah. the omelet for amateurs. Yeah. So he's batting five hundred. He's totally right on the milk. He is way off on two eggs instead of three. Yeah. I always do three, at least three, because I, mm-hmm. I try to eat a high-protein diet, so usually I'll do yeah. three or four eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And I, I put water to to mix it with. Uh, that's fine. I mean, I I would do neither, but that's okay. just me. Um, yeah. If, you, uh, if restaurants ever open up again and you get the chance – uh, make your way over to Petite Trois, which is it closed. No, Trois Mecs closed. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. So Petite is uh, the um, brasserie style. It's the more casual, non-reservation option next door. But they have a much larger restaurant in North Hollywood now, which is the second location. That one you could go to any night of the week, and they do an omelet there that is. At least for me, since I've never been to France, that's the best omelet I've ever had. Oh, nice. Okay. You get it yeah, any time of day. I apologize for saying that it closed, but I just read like some restaurant closures, and I, mm. you're right. It is the second Trois yeah. Mecs. Yeah, what? so Trois Mecs is the original. So that one ah. is the one that closed. Its sister restaurant, as far as anyone knows, is still open. However, nothing is actually open for dine-in service, so... Um, yeah, I don't know if you can even get takeout from Petit Trois. Maybe you could order that omelet if you wanted to have a fancy meal with your wife one of these days. Yeah, maybe. Omelets, I feel like, don't travel well, but we'd have to eat it, like, immediately. Oh, listen uh, to this. Hold on. Sure. Last, last thing. Uh, the original Petit Trois in Hollywood is opening for dine-in service in their parking lot starting tomorrow. Oh, Wow. Um, so if you're feeling bold and you want to do some outdoor dining, they will also be open for takeout service this upcoming Wednesday and Thursday in advance of the reopening. That is literally today. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But, uh, and Sherman Oaks is open for patio service and takeout as well. So you could get your hands on this omelet, Eric, and I would suggest giving it a go. Did you see that people are dining they have set up dining areas in the parking structure of the Galleria. Yes, I've seen those pictures. <laughs> and just it's so fucking dumb. 
The idea that that, that like, is better, that that is a better option than anything else, is yeah. just. <laughs> It's crazy. Which like people who aren't from LA, the Glendale Galleria is just a mall. It's just a yeah. the a mall ass mall. And they set up tables and chairs to eat in uh in the parking structure. Yeah, like a parking Next, structure, a concrete structure, not open I mean it's open air on the sides, but it's just concrete above yeah. you. It's hellish. <laughs> it's a hellscape. To eat like uh, I guess the um, the food in the food court. I don't yeah, know. Like that's, this, or I the Red it, Robin that's there. Oh, that Red Robin closed, sadly. Oh, no. Yeah, we tried to include that on the uh, Glendale Galleria bar crawl because it was one of the only locations <laughs> in the Galleria that served alcohol, and they closed. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Back to Deep Blue Sea. Sorry for the <laughs> super, super LA-specific oh, uh, diversion. We, we were doing so good on time, and then we talked about omelets <laughs> and LA food for 10 minutes, but hey. Um, so Tom and Carter are, are uh, trying to clear some rubble to get to the bilge pumps. They're underwater for a really long time. And then, oh, shit. A shark comes out of nowhere and chomps the fuck out of Tom. Oh, he's Scoggins is donezo. Yeah, he even like pushes him into like a pan- electrical panel. It electrocutes him many times. He like bashes him violently into yeah. it. This is a murder. This is not a. This is not a shark eating somebody. He like fucks him up. Yeah, and he like fully tears him in half as well. Uh huh. Oh, and then body we see- count goes up to eight. Yeah, he and his leg, he rips his leg loose, and it's a pretty bad CGI, but we see just the leg floating in the wetsuit, and it, like, twitches a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Uh, so, Shark's about to bite Carter. Um, so, uh, Carter, like, reroutes the... I don't know, I actually don't even know. Does he reroute the bilge pump? He must. Yeah, I mean, they get out. <laughs> they get out. Um... So Carter's running out of air because of the rising water. He's trying to get out of there. No, you know what? The he sharks... doesn't because they have to swim up, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, this you're all right. Fails. yeah, you're right. This all fails. <laughs> this all fails. Uh, the shark's about to bite him, and he's able to open the door really quickly, and he gets back to safety with Preacher. McAllister, um, she seems up to something. Yeah. But she's, like, back in her room, um, like, looking around. I wrote the the wound on Preacher's head is really bad looking. Yeah, it's weird and gross. Is it a, a burn, I guess, or something? I guess it's a burn from when yeah. he like lit the shark on fire. Yeah, it looks... You're, I agree with what you said. It looks gross. And not uh, So then Carter goes off to look for Susan when he finds out she's not there. Um, Susan, she's walking around her half-submerged room, and then she finds what she's looking for. Um which is like a baggie full of zip drives. Yeah. <laughs> zip, yeah. Zip disks. She's, she's holding on to at least 500 megabytes worth of information. <laughs> and then, uh, something bumps into her. It's a shark. And she turned around, but it's that dead fake looking shark with his <laughs> brain cut open. So fake. It looks like yeah. a plastic shark. And then, then, uh, the real shark swims after her. Uh, and as I wrote, these sharks really know how to sneak up on people in shallow water. They do. I also, meant to, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, was say, I meant to look up how much water does a shark need to swim? Um, I mean, I think they can swim in. I, you know, I always hear that the vast majority of shark attacks take place in three feet of water or less, I think. So they, oh, wow. They can go shallow. Um, this, this is timely, too, because a woman uh, 
off the coast of Maine, where I'm mm-hmm. from, just got killed by a great white. And there's like oh, great wow. white sightings in Maine. Yeah. Yeah, I think the majority of the sharks in this movie are supposed to be Makos. They are the ones that have those, like, fucked up teeth that are all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, They look pretty gnarly. I have a big question here, which is, like, how big are these sharks supposed to be? I know. I had that same question. That's what I just wrote after that, like, Mm -hmm. these sharks really know how to sneak up on people in shallow water. Also, I thought these sharks were supposed to be big. Yeah, the one in the main tank is 45 feet long, which, okay, fine. So I guess I'm supposed to assume that that one never came in, yeah. right? Um, now, also, there's just three of them or what? Like, what is the yeah, deal? Yeah, there's just three of them, yeah. Okay, but there were like, definitely more at the beginning of the movie, weren't there? They're just like the three special ones. Right, yes, um, yes. Okay, so yeah, I mean, they're like obviously of confusing sizes, because one of them's 45 feet long and then the other two can go through doors. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. right. Yeah. I was, I was confused by the size of them as well. Size of them as well. Uh, so she gets up on some furniture, sees an electrical cable above her mm-hmm. and then come quickly comes up with a plan. She strips down to her underwear Mm-hmm. To t- takes off her wetsuit, strips down to her underwear. Just to show everybody her rib cage. And show then... everybody her concave rib cage. You can see like her organs pulsating <laughs> beneath her skin. Uh, she stands on top of her wetsuit to like ground her, I guess, or keep I her insulate her from the electricity. Maybe yeah, that's that's the word I'm looking for. But it like seems like it's clearly just a ploy to get her in her underwear. Exactly. She stands on her wetsuit. The shark pops out of her. She rips the cord down, sticks the cord in its mouth, and it dies. But her research, the whole reason she went back, the whole mm-hmm. reason for any of this is uh, fucking fried. It's melted, and it was all for naught. All for naught. Um, so then the survivors are reunited. Uh, preacher's like, I'd hate to interrupt this moment of burgeoning, burgeoning intimacy, but can we get the fuck out of here? Yeah, this seems like a remnant of the old version of their story where they're like being intimate or something. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, It exactly. seems like a line out of nowhere. So Carter wants to distract the sharks and his plan is to put the life vests onto the scuba tanks mm-hmm. and sent, like pop them so they fly off or they float off on the scuba tanks right and then the sharks will be attracted to the bright colors and bite the tanks and, and the move yeah and the and the, the water being disrupted i think yeah 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 i mean honestly this seems like one of the best plans of the whole movie yeah it does yeah uh um, it's still insane to try to swim to the surface and defeat a super intelligent shark but hey why not and nobody wants to do it um and they're like, well, why can't we use the the um, <laughs> tanks? Yeah, this is, there's some reason. Like they'll get the uh, bends. Yeah, exactly. Like it says the the life jackets would bring them up too fast, and then they'd die. You know. Yeah. Uh, so they're gonna have to swim, uh, and he has to. He's gonna equalize the pressure in the room, uh, so they can blow the airlock. Mm-hmm. So they all hold hands. They pray to God. They say amen so many times. They say amen so many times that the water fill up. It's a str- that is a stressful scene. It is, and uh, when the, I mean, I don't know why, but for some reason, 
like they're this one really hit me especially before they start flooding the water where they're like don't want to go i get and they're yeah. just kind of like i guess we have to do this and i was like oh shit i don't know if i could do that like well, and she starts to freak out too she's like <laughs> hyperventilating a little bit and that like yeah. got, got me stressed out yeah um, so the preacher gives the Lord's prayer, I think. It's like, so I walk through the valley of death, that yeah. one. We throw some he's motherfuckers like, in there. Yeah, he's like, I carry a big stick and I'm the meanest motherfucker in the valley. Yeah. He's still cool, um, even though he likes Jesus. Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with liking Jesus as long as you're cool about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, they blow the airlock. Carter... I, 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 he's just breathing. He's just like letting so much air out of his mouth. He sends the sh- the tanks up. The CGI sharks attack them. Yeah, and Kenda pointed this out, and I felt the same way. Like the plan immediately seems like it's failing because the tanks are just around them. Like right, there's no separation. It's like the sharks just gonna get you going after the tank. Yeah, let the tanks go up first and then go up after them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they swim to the surface. A shark grabs Preacher. Yeah. Right in his leg. They swim. And this is, this is my last complaint about, I swear, about practical concerns. But they like, they're going to go 60 feet or whatever. And they all end up in the middle of the lagoon. And I'm like, hey, you got a 60 foot trip. Take an angle and sure, end up, yeah. end up next to, to the wall. Yeah, exactly. Like, why are you giving yourself a swim once you get to the surface? <laughs> That's a great point. I did not think of that. Uh, so Shark grabs Preacher, and he jams his crucifix in his eye, which is pretty gross. Yeah. Well, God good, comes good to the rescue again. Eye. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he lets him go, but he's still bleeding everywhere. Susan patches him up on, on dry land. Not land, but on the <laughs> catwalk. Yeah. yeah, the catwalk. So, um, I was a little confused by this next little turn, but basically Carter realizes that the fences are titanium under the water, but mm-hmm. there's steel on top. And he, but th- then, he, then this is, a, this is like the grand reveal. It's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, the sharks, they've been hurting us all along. They've been getting us to flood the facility so they can get them right where they want the sharks wanted them to be, which is right here. It's so insane. <laughs> it's so insane. It's such a leap in logic. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. I've been I, playing into their hot little fins this whole time. I will say, I really, I love this movie. I have a lot of fun with it. I totally recommend it to people. They could have gotten out of this easy, this ending a lot easier. It could have just been like, oh, look, there's a hole in the fence. The shark's going to go for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They could have just uh, been trying to eat them, and everyone would have been satisfied with that. And, and so, uh, yeah, there's a line of like, that's what an 800-pound Mako thinks about. Thinks about freedom, about the deep blue sea. <laughs> yeah, you had to get the title in there. The Mako wants its revenge. Uh, so the shark starts bang the big ass shark starts banging on the fence to get in after them. And they load up a harpoon gun with some flare powder, like enough for a stick, a couple sticks of dynamite in there. Uh-huh. And the plan is they're gonna shoot it with a harpoon gun, which is attached to a metal cable. Yeah. Then they're going to loop the metal cable around the positive terminal of a battery, mm-hmm. which will ignite the TNT. 
yeah. and explode the harpoon bomb. Yeah, they had a lot of convenient supplies on hand. Uh, yes, yeah. But they <laughs> stuff that they all set up previously were around, which I did appreciate. Is this all are these all party supplies left over from Saffron the, Burrow's the birthday? The flares, yeah, yeah, the flares, yeah. Um So this uh, um the shark comes in, uh, but it's too far away to shoot, so Susan, Dr. McAllister, is like, I know how to get her. And they're like, How? It's like bait. Yeah. She cuts her hands on some like jagged metal. And she's yeah. like, come to mama. Red corn syrup starts pouring out of her hand. It is real red corn syrup ass blood. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Like you can she, see straight through it. Yeah. She start she jumps into the water and it's like blood in the first shot, it's like she's surrounded by blood. Like, wow, she's yeah. really gushing. Mm-hmm. But then in the next shot, she's not. Yeah, so um, this was all part of the this was all re this was a reshot scene. So um, my understanding is that in the original cut and that they screened for audiences, she survived to the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. She's about to get eaten by a shark. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, if you've made it this far into the movie, uh, into the podcast without watching the movie, I'm sorry. You lost 20 seconds of spoiler free. Yeah. Yeah. You're about to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was a this was a scene they picked up and they shot this at Universal Studios in their oh, water okay. tank. So this is not at the set where they did everything else. Um, oh. Yeah. And then there was like a kiss with Thomas Jane at the end and all this stuff. And so this is this is the ending they decided to give her because they felt like she couldn't be redeemed or or the only way she could be redeemed is via this sacrifice. Um. So she jumps in. The shark comes straight for her. And she tries to outswim the shark, <laughs> and it, and it like stops right before mm-hmm. it. It's like swimming up to her, and then it stops and kind of like turns around. And then Carter sees what's happening, so he jumps in the water to rescue her. The fucking shark just eats her and tears her in half and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why does the shark stop? What do you, what is that? I don't know. I think it's like sort of. A, it's, it's really. I honestly think it's just a fake out. For us, okay, okay, to yeah. just be like, okay, oh, she's okay, she's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Ah, fuck you, no, she's not. And then <laughs> body counts up to nine. Yeah, that really surprised me. I, it's been a while since I've seen this. Um, and then a CGI Carter flips around in the water and avoid, avoids the shark's bite. Uh, then he grabs a dorsal fin like in the beginning and catches a ride. Mm-hmm. Preachers grab the harpoon. Um. And I wrote, like, if the shark was so smart, why doesn't it just dive to the bottom and, and make and kill? Yeah. Just stay Tom underwater. He can't hold harder, his breath yeah. for three minutes. Yeah. Exactly. Or just bring him down so deep that, like, it crushes him or something. Totally. Um, and then the preacher says, this is for Scoggins. <laughs> Shoot, shoots the harpoon. It hits the shark in the dorsal fin and Carter in the leg, I think. Yeah, it goes straight through the fin. <laughs> Shish kebab, dorsal fin and Carter's thigh. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it is crazy. It's it's like all the stuff going wrong inside the complex. It's like, let's just add one more layer to this. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm here for it. <laughs> Me too. Um, and so there's a, like a long, tense moment where, uh, you know, Preacher is trying to grab the cable. It's running mm-hmm. out. He's got to get it over to the battery. Finally, he does. The dynamite blows. The shark explodes. 
It's a massive and explosion. It's a massive explosion. So there's a there's something here that I bet was part of the reshoot mm-hmm. um, because it's a weird sequence of events. What happens is, uh, he, like he touch he's about to touch the the cable to the battery. Then it cuts mm-hmm. to Carter underwater looking at the shark. He's since gotten off of the shark. Right. And then it cuts back. It explodes. So mm-hmm. we know that Carter doesn't die. Right. But Preacher, for a second, thinks Carter dies. And I just think it would have been much better if, yeah. if it exploded and nobody knows if he dies. And then he surfaces like a couple seconds later. Yeah. So we just have like a nice... You know. Yeah, absolutely. They they completely kill the surprise. It, it, yeah, it is only a surprise for Ella Cool J's character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then he's like, Carter, bring me some sushi. <laughs> they're all bleeding and they're on top side waiting around. He's like, Hey Carter, we're sinking, right? Let me ask you something. You, sh- you sure it was three sharks? Like, yeah. Like, all right. Then the next shift arrives. Well, the three sharks thing it, the payoff to that is Carter's dangling his feet in the water. And, right. and yeah. So he like, he's like, are you sure it was just three sharks? And Carter's like, okay, I see your point. It pulls his feet it out. It pulls his feet out. Oh, okay. I guess I kind of I yeah. missed that. For me, that was just like setting up maybe a potential sequel or something like that. Uh, I think but that I think, was I think was you're right. Yeah. I think I was just typing when that no. happened. Uh, so then the next shift arrives back from the weekend. And Carter's like, let me tell you, man, I quit this job. Preacher's <laughs> taking you back to the ghetto, Carter. Amen. I'm pretty sure the final lines of the movie are amen. Yeah, you're right. Well, this is the final, Trojan... the final spoken lines of the movie. Right. Because <laughs> then we got Deepest Bluest by the... LL Cool J. It's, it's amazing. It's fucking great. It's just, it's, I'm going to play it at the end of this episode. Um, So you guys can, I'm going to play at least part of it, but it's one of those taste. classic recapping of the plot rap mm-hmm. songs oh, it's so good i mean i'll say this if you are near a computer or if you are listening to this on spotify i say slam on that pause button go listen to deepest blues for a minute come back and yeah and, okay and enjoy the outro with us we'll give you a little taste of it at the end but if you've got the time and the way to do it do yourself a favor and Drink in a little bit of Deepest Bluest. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a ride it has been. All right. Um, That's Deep Blue Sea. That is Deep Blue Sea. And I'm going to vamp really quickly while I copy and paste <laughs> all of the things that happen next that I hadn't done yet. Uh, why don't we start with an old favorite? Let's go favorite character. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I just want to touch first. Body count, nine. Okay. Total of nine deaths. Nine Favorite deaths. character. Um, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Uh, there, are, there are definitely a... I mean, I'm down... Like, I can narrow it down to, like, four, and then I kind of got to... You go first. You go first. <laughs> I, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm in mm-hmm. the same boat. Um, I think maybe... Most likable... Uh, and I, and one I can identify with the mm. most is probably Preacher. Mm-hmm. You love God. I, You're from the I ghetto. Do, I do love God. I'm from the ghetto. I just mean he's sort of a, no pun intended, a fish out of water compared to yeah. the other people. Yeah. He's a cook. 
Right. He's a little he's he's comic relief, but he's I think pleasantly muted in that role. He's not super over the top. Yeah, and he's the only one with like stakes to get back home because I think he has like mm-hmm. two kids. Yeah, and a wife and all and that. And a wife. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, he's I I I think I'm going to go with preacher. Okay, LL Cool J as preacher. Um okay, well then I'm going to go ahead uh <laughs> I I think I'm torn still between Carter played by Thomas Jane or uh, Russell Franklin played by Samuel Jackson. And I'm going to say the tiebreaker is as great as Samuel Jackson is in this movie, his, his death is almost part. It's mo- it's the thing that makes him the most noteworthy. And yeah. so it's less of a character note than a plot note. So I'm going to give it to Thomas James Carter. I like, like this is such a classic macho leading man. Like he's got a dark, checkered past but he's trying to make good and right i I just like he's such a stereotypical character but in this perfect satisfying way of just like he he, he, he's been to jail but it was for smuggling yeah which is like okay everybody knows it's a victimless crime Um, right right yeah who's really losing out big corporations exactly um, and the government um yeah but it's like he does so much dumb dangerous shit in this movie and you know he i like tom jane i think he's a fun actor and yeah, yeah me too. that's that's my pick i'm gonna I, i'm gonna go with the leading man I, I like carter great uh so moment that aged the worst i have an easy one okay if you want to go first you you go for it because I, I feel like we might say the same thing um you know you should go first. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with the CGI shark effects. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a time when that stuff was all up and coming and mm-hmm. it just wasn't there yet. Even at the time, it didn't look good. You know what yeah, I mean? Definitely. So, so I, it's not even that it aged poorly. It's like, it was never good. Yeah. It's, they're very video gamey. Like there's really in some of the scenes of sharks, like especially when the sharks are moving super fast. Like there's mm-hmm. no amount of suspension of disbelief. Like it just doesn't. It just looks fake. It just looks totally yeah. fake. And like um, some of the bodies too that are torn apart are just mm-hmm. like it just looks like a CG person. Yeah, um, I will say uh, that's the best answer. Certainly, uh, for me, uh, this is what I had written down initially, and which is why I chuckled so hard. Um, when you brought it up at the beginning of the episode, I think Samuel L. Jackson's silver glasses are. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I think maybe because I had those glasses back then. <laughs> yeah, they are hilarious, and they could only exist in maybe the three years between 1998 and 2001. So, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Um. I mean, best death is sort of a no-brainer. There's only one correct answer. There's only there's only one correct answer, and that yeah. is uh, Tom Scoggins. <laughs> Scoggins, <laughs> Scoggins and his twitchy leg. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Samuel Jackson, absolutely so impactful, so shocking and surprising. Really, just I think it's it's the grace note of this entire movie. Um, and yeah, it left an indelible impression on everyone in the theater. When I was there, 
mm-hmm. probably on opening night as a high schooler, perhaps, well, most likely very stoned and really enjoying the shit out of this movie. Um, so looking at the Carpenter scale, mm-hmm. this is a tough one because it's not, it's not really a scary movie. It's not even meant to be a scary movie. It's certainly a tense movie and a stressful mm-hmm. movie in parts. Well, let me ask you this though. Like uh-huh. it is definitely not like a ominous building sort of, uh, frightening mood movie, but it does have its big shocks in it, you know? Sure, there are, there are jump scares, there are shocking moments that mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. That's a um, good point. And I will say this, I think that this movie is, depending on how you feel about water and sharks, um, for the right audience, this would be downright terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know? If you're mm-hmm. somebody who already grapples with a little bit of uh, I think the underwater stuff is thalassophobia. Um, which I do, which I do. Yeah. Um, is there a good, like, theme- I mean, we're having fun with the Carpenter skill these days. I almost want to go back to, it's one we've touched on many times, but I really think it might be apt here. I would like to nominate The Fog. And the reason I say that is because it's about pirates, ghost sure, pirates. Yeah. So yeah, there right. fits the aquatic theme. Yeah. And The Fog has a bunch of jump scares in it. And yeah. I think it's a pretty scary movie. I know that you're not a huge fan of it. but uh, And it's like, again, this movie is not one we'd put in the upper echelon of scary movies. But I'll say this. It's probably scarier than most, if not all, of the Friday the 13th franchise. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, the Fog sounds good. There's Yeah, I like that. Let's go with the fog. Let's let's okay. nail it in. Fantastic. Let's nail. All let's right, nail everybody. It to the tree. Nail. <laughs> All right, everybody, get your nails out. <laughs> it's time. It's time, like we do every week, to nail, nail it in. Nail it in. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have any more categories left? Or are we at the we, we at have the big uh, finale? Mary fuck kill. Yeah, the big finale, the Mary fuck kill. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first, sir. You go first. All right. Um, this one uh, is it's tempting to say fuck because it's such a uh, popcorn kind of movie. But I mean, I think all you need to know is what I said up top. I've seen this movie like eight times. This is this mm-hmm. is a marriage for me. I keep coming back to this one. It mm-hmm. is it's just the right balance of stupid fun, shocking deaths uh silly but entertaining plot that like is sort of unbelievable but not you know sometimes when movies get into this kind of zone they become super confusing and it's like it's not that it's just like kind of a crazy story um it's i don't know it's just a it's a super enjoyable movie and i would happily put a ring on it yeah uh i'm right there with you i think this is a mary um, for all the reasons you just stated, and it's, I love the way it subverts expectations. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of dumb fun. I'm, I'm a, as you know, I'm a big fan of dumb action movies. I'm a big fan of dumb horror movies. And this mm-hmm. is just a nice, a nice marriage of the two, two great tastes that taste great together. Ah, fantastic. Well said, my friend. All right. Uh, well, let's take one more quick break and then we will come back with, uh, 
uh, a fun final segment. Welcome back, and this is our final segment for this episode. I don't even know what's about to happen. Mike is surprising yeah. me with something. Yeah, well, it's always nice when we can surprise each other. Um, so it was only 18 episodes ago that we debuted perhaps the most successful and beloved uh often requested but up to this point never duplicated and <laughs> segments the chop quiz ah. where, where eric and i bumble through trying to make an audio version of a sporkle quiz uh, <laughs> and you know what we could not ignore the screams of our fans any longer we had to bring it back to life you asked um, for this <laughs> that's right so uh, this one, I think, is set up in a way that is going to work pretty well uh, for the two of us to do together. Okay. So we're, we're just doing one chop quiz today. Um, I went on to Sporkle. I searched for shark movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was able to find a quiz for whether or not you can name the top 10 highest grossing shark movies at the box office. Okay. And this is uh, current as of 2018, so 2020, 2019, I believe it's January 2018, which I think right off the bat is going to take one big one out of contention. Okay. Um, But uh, we won't spoil it yet. And so I want to leave it up to you, Eric. We can either try to do this cooperatively, or we can... um, in a podcast that uh, is still going on, I used to listen to a lot more and still am a big fan of Doug Loves Movies, hosted by Doug Benson. They play a game uh, where it's kind of like, uh, I believe it's called Last Man Stanton. Um, <laughs> and the way it works is the last, like, basically, we just go back and forth until neither, like, until one of us can't name any anymore. So it would either be the first one to get one wrong loses. Okay. Or we can cooperatively try to say, like, we could do this sort of family feud style, and you and I can collaborate to see if we can get all ten without, say, getting three wrong. I like the family family feud style, but we, uh, don't we go, wouldn't we go back and forth, though? Would that be too confusing? Uh, yeah, well, let's do it that way. Let's not, like, put our heads together. Yeah. Let's do it like you and I are a team on Family Feud. So we each go back and forth guessing, but if our team, if the two of us get three wrong, we're done. done. No, you know yeah. what? Let's do, let's do the other way, Dan. Do you want to go head-to-head? I want to go head-to-head. <laughs> okay, great. So the first person to fail, to basically miss one of these... But okay, so let's the way it works though is it's like the other person has to rebut, right? So if you miss, I have to name one more to win. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Do we go back and forth or we just go into Yes, we get we, one? Okay, we'll go we back would and forth. go back and forth. Sure. Um and so uh since I put this together, I will give you the option to go first or second. What would you like? I'll go first. Okay. All right, we have begun. The quiz. You have 10 movies ranging in lifetime gross from $380 million at number one 
Number 10, coming in at just over $20 million. What is your first guess, Eric? Jaws. Jaws. Number two on the list at $260 million. Okay. Uh, I am going to go with uh, the movie we just covered, Deep Blue Sea. That is going to be my first guess. Okay. Um, well, hold on. Do you want to hear if it was correct? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was number five. Okay. I, I remember it from, you said it made like 80,000 or 80, mm-hmm. 80 million. Um, yes, yeah. Um, Jaws 2 Jaws 2 Jaws 2 in at number 4 with 80 million dollars okay. 81 yeah okay um, I'm gonna follow the trend I'm gonna say I think Jaws 3 snuck onto this list mm-hmm. Jaws 3D in at number seven, forty-five point five million dollars. Um, open water. Open water. Open water. Number nine, Whew. thirty point six million dollars. Okay. <sighs> you know, I'm staring at this open number one slot. I yeah, that's great. It's that is one that's driving me nuts. And it kind of makes me think that this fairly recent movie that may or may not have come out after this quiz was written is the number one. Um, and so then I'm like, not sure. Did they update it? Like, whew, mm. it's risky. Um, okay, but I'm going to say... Oh fuck! What is the amount of meters? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what I'm struggling with too. All right, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a shot here. I'm gonna be ballsy and I'm gonna say I believe it's 47 meters down. That sounds right. Woo! That was correct. And that is number eight on the list at $44.3 million. Oh, man. All right. So just as an update, we have the number one, three, six, and ten slots still open. There are four left on the board. Um, Is that the... One with the shark cage. They're in the shark cage the whole time. I believe, I believe so, so. Yeah. There was a sequel to that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm going okay. to say, okay, this is a shot in the dark. I haven't seen it. Okay. I think it's a shark movie. <laughs> okay. The Shallows. <laughs> the Shallows. Wow. Great job, sir. That is number six. Oh, now we're getting into some really tricky territory here. We are. So I'd just like to point out, not only the number one slot, also number three at $160 million. Yeah, I mean, we're missing a huge shark movie, which is crazy. 
I would well, have thought it would have been Jaws. Oh, okay. I'm going to zig here because the category is simply top 10 shark movies. There's nothing that explicitly says they have to be horror movies. Sure. So I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Shark's Tale. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Ooh. I'm getting nothing. Okay. All right. Well, then. This is Can from you take the crown? This, this is, is from 2018? Yeah. God, I wish I could remember when this movie came out. I'm going to say The Meg. I mean, I feel like that's got to be the number one just based on the box office. Nope. No. Nothing. All right. So I believe in this instance, because we've both failed out on the same round we would just go back and forth in a sudden death okay and the next person to name one on this list would win does that make sense yeah yep okay i'm gonna take a swing at the correct title of the 47 meters down sequel Uh and i'm gonna say that it is 47 meters down colon uncaged Oh, wow. Nope, that's incorrect. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. The number one movie, shark movies. We have Jaws 1 through 3. Was there a fourth mm-hmm. Jaws? That's not going to be number one. It's definitely not going to be number one. Um, oh, this is box office, though. Yeah. Sharknado is made for TV. Mm-hmm. Was that did that get a theater? I know you're, you shouldn't. I don't helping. know. You shouldn't help. No. Um. Uh. Fuck. Um. We're gonna need an answer soon. Oh god. Oh god. Oh god. Maybe it's like a like a Chinese movie, like a <laughs> another forty-seven meters down. <laughs> love it I got nothing okay Uh, I mean we haven't said it yet so I'll take a shot and say that Jaws the Revenge uh, the fourth installment is on this list number 10 damn it (laughs) at a measly 20.7 million dollars um all right, so I believe that makes me the victor. Okay, well, it was uh, close this time. So I feel but amazing. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you did well, I think. The number one and number three slots are still open. And all right, are you ready to find out what they are? I am. Do it in reverse order. Okay. Oh my god. All right. Well, one of them I lost on a technicality of getting the title wrong. Oh it's no! It's just. It's number three is just called Shark Tale. Oh, wow. (laughs) But I think, I mean, I think that's the standard we need to hold ourselves to. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not a shark's tale or shark's tale. Um, And the number one is debatably not a shark movie, but simply a movie that has sharks in it. Um, And I would say that the number three slot is a big hint as to what it might be. 
Oh, um, the uh, Finding Nemo. That is correct. Oh, that doesn't fucking count. <laughs> uh, I agree. I agree that that shouldn't count. But uh, regardless, you know, it is what it is. I've somehow once again pulled out a win. Um, <laughs> but I would say that this was a much smoother rendition of uh, Chop Quiz than our last. Yeah, um, I would agree with you. Now here, just for shits and giggles, I had one other quiz that I was debating doing. And looking at the results now, we should have done this one. Okay. Um, so this is just a different top 10. So this is top 10 highest grossing shark live action movies. So it eliminates the 3D movies. And it was also written in 2019. Okay. Um, so the Meg is on there. Okay. And it comes in at number two on that list. And then the other movie that slides in at number 10, because Shark Tale is also missing, is Shark Night from 2011. yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, So there you go, guys. Your top 10 highest grossing live-action shark movies, Jaws, The Meg, Jaws 2, Deep Blue Sea, The Shallows, Jaws 3D, 47 Meters Down, Open Water, Jaws The Revenge, and Shark Knight. And before we send everybody home, the correct name of the sequel to 47 Meters Down is, in fact, 47 Meters Down, Uncaged. Really? Yes. Uh, but for whatever re- it, it is just too recent. It did not fall onto either of those lists because it only came out last summer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So. Well, guys, that was an adventure we all took here today yeah uh thanks for joining us if you have any questions comments and concerns you can write to us at killstreakpod at gmail.com you can hit us up at twitter at killstreakpod and uh yeah please do that follow us ask us questions retweet us when we post new episodes that would be very lovely oh absolutely and before we do anything else we have to uh announce the winners of our tag teams all right ladies and gentlemen you've waited patiently so we have the results in of the twitter tag team horror tag team polls uh so just a little refresher for anybody who forgot or didn't keep up with us we had four first round matchups in the first one we had michael myers from halloween and pennywise from it Facing off against the Predator and Bram Stoker's Dracula. What did you think about this one, Eric? Uh, well, of course, I was the one who picked Michael Myers and uh, Pennywise, so mm-hmm. I had some pretty, pretty good, uh, a pretty good feeling about mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And uh, you were right. They, I mean, they moved on to the second round. All I'm going to say is this: uh, no sour grapes, but I think people are really underselling the combat abilities of the Predator. That's kind of his whole thing. Um, but yeah. yeah, but I, I could see a world where he's overwhelmed by whatever Pennywise throws at him. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. He just he's terrified, and uh, he doesn't seem like the first person in this tournament who's going to catch on to the fact that you know he needs to. 
defeat his inner demons first and really sure. stand up. We to all know the predator has some inner demons he has yeah. to work on. That's right. Uh, in the second matchup of the first round, we had Pinhead from Hellraiser and a Graboid from Tremors facing uh-huh. off against Pumpkinhead, the titular Pumpkinhead, and the Jin from Wishmaster. And admittedly, I had picked Pumpkinhead because I thought it fit nicely uh-huh. against Pinhead. Sure, sure. Although Pumpkinhead is a terrifying beast. He is. I, I feel like he could fuck someone up real bad. Yeah, um, yeah, but certainly um, maybe a little bit of an underpowered duo here. I don't think anybody was super shocked to see Pinhead and the Graboid advance to the second round. Yeah. Um, rat- matchup number three, we have Carrie from Carrie and Ginger from Ginger Snaps. Uh, this is our sort of pandering to the female audience uh, <laughs> matchup, uh, facing off against the alien queen from Aliens and Sadako from The Ring. Um, yeah, this felt like a closer one, I think. It did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think Carrie can really cause some damage. Yeah, Ginger as well. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe the alien queen's acid blood might sure. give her. I'm not really sure what Sadako brings to the table, but she is scary as hell. Yeah, she's the scariest of all four of these combatants, certainly. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you get tangled up in her hair. Who knows? Maybe. Um, <laughs> either way, uh, the people at home have spoken, and they said the Alien Queen and Sadako. Moving on to round two. In our final matchup of round one, we have the Leprechaun and Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs going up against Chucky from... <laughs> Child's Play films, and perhaps the best-known character of any of those in the first round, Frank Zito, the killer from Maniac. I think people just didn't know who he was. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I think we have two human serial killers Mm -hmm. facing each other. Frank Zito has a gun. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo Bill, good with a knife. Frank Zito also has a knife. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying. Okay. Okay. He's from from New York. He's he's a dirty fighter, I'm sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really feels like this one comes down to Leprechaun versus Chucky, and I yeah. think I think the supernatural powers wielded by the Leprechaun are are going to come out on top here, and so they did. Um, Leprechaun and Buffalo Bill move on, and I'll be lying if I didn't say there's a bit of a popularity contest element to all of these votes. I think you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, I tried to implore our followers on Twitter to really think hard about the real world implications of a fight. Um, but it seems like maybe, uh, you know, the best known, uh, names won. And you know what? That's neither here nor there. Um, round two, we've got Michael Myers and Pennywise squaring off against Pinhead and a Graboid. Uh, this one wasn't really, wasn't really very close, was it? No, it was not. No. Myers and Pennywise took this one in a walk. And again, you know, we want to talk about name recognition. Maybe that's doing a little bit of the heavy lifting here. Uh, in the other side of the matchup, we have the Alien Queen and Sadako going up against Leprechaun and Buffalo Bill. This time around, the ladies come out on top. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we've got Alien Queen and Sadako advancing to the final round. Then we've got that big matchup we were all waiting for. Myers, Michael Myers, and Pennywise versus the Alien Queen and Sadako. This one was a little bit closer, but in the end... You know, the headliners, uh, you know, perhaps the commissioner was behind the scenes and, uh, you know, needed yeah. to make sure that his uh, baby faces stayed in the limelight <laughs> there, right? Um, 
So. Yeah, because in the end, Michael Myers and Pennywise emerged victorious, while yeah. Sadako and the Alien Queen were crushed beneath their boot heels. Yeah, that's right. I like to believe that this is Tim Curry's Pennywise. Uh, it makes me feel a little bit better <laughs> about this win. Uh, nothing against Bill Skarsgård, but uh, there's only one Pennywise for me, and that's uh, Tim Curry. Um, okay, so we will be back next week. We said before we're going back to our regular weekly episode schedule. So next Monday, come back for Deep Blue Sea 2. Yeah. Neither Eric nor I has ever seen this film. We're no. both very excited. Um, I don't know if there are multiple versions, but I think it is a sci-fi movie. Siffy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so if, if we're going to have a choice between... Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do the unrated version. Any, any, yeah, like R-rated or unrated version. If there's, yeah, a, such a thing. Yeah, uh, I'm looking right now. You can definitely watch the sci-fi version on the sci-fi streaming app. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, uh, you know, a version on Google Play, and it claims to be rated R. So. Okay, so that'll be the one. I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check the running times, and I'll say if the running times are the same, I'm probably gonna watch it for free. Um, but we'll figure sure. that out. We'll leave it up to you guys to make that decision for yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as always, I carry a big stick, and I'm the meanest motherfucker in the valley. Uh, my hat is like a shark's yeah. Created by a needle. Jet black eyes, baby, they stand while you sleep.